Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 45, Steam Powered Centennial. It's it's our hundredth episode. Yay! Yay! Actually decent people, we just play assholes on the internet. Can we just remove all, all of Roman? Oh. Delete Roman. Oh. That oh. was that was last episode. And that was not intentional. Oh, it was so sad. I was very upset. <sighs> Pour one out for what? Daft Drunk. Was it was it like you actually didn't have the yeah, entirety like it, of the audio it, or it, it gave me like seventeen minutes of Roman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I didn't know if it was that or if Amongst it was just like all five recordings. Silent the entire time. No, they just didn't exist. For whatever reason, didn't render. Awesome, Gross. joyful. I mean, still, Squadcast has been doing a lot better. We're supposed to be recording a po- okay. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Yes, we are. We'll just call that an intro. Hi, welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I am. Your- it's a call. It's kind of a cold open. I'm your host, Doug, and with me is the the base five, the basic five. The generic five of the scoundrels. Uh, go down the, the list, Victoria. Power Rangers. Hello. <laughs> Roman. More like the ginger generic five. Soon. We're not gingers yet, Roman. Soon. <laughs> Soon. Soon. Mate. If uh, if we're Power Rangers, do I get, do we get scooters? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Razor scooters. Scooter Patrol. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and Eli. I will not apologize for Scooter Patrol. That's fine. I just wanted you to say hi, though. Hi. And with us <laughs> hi, are two very special people. Uh, people we love that you love, everyone loves. And that is Kyle. Hello. And Matt. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just spend the entire time trying to sound like you're Kyle pretending to be Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, the entire time is just how many one word answers can I get? Make a great podcaster. Trust, uh, trust us, we'll, we'll make it work. It'll be an easy edit. <laughs> yeah, our, our 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 listeners are easily entertained anyway, so... I mean, the more single the more single words we get, we can, you know, link those together in interesting mm. ways on the edit. Just get a soundboard of my answers? <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like Nate's gonna do that regardless, so just watch what you say, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, uh, it's episode 100. Congratulations. Oh, woo, wow. We made it. Yeah, we finally got the devs on. Hooray. We didn't have to kidnap them or anything. Yeah, no no basements involved in this one. Yeah, let's, let's Weird. keep running with that joke until someone... <laughs> someone swats not- us Notifies the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so to be a little different, uh, it sounds like these guys want to talk about the lovely board games put out by Weird, so we'll do a little bit of a, an introductory interview just to get to know them in case... You have no idea who they are, which is... Sad. How do you not know that by now? <laughs> Honestly. How okay. have you listened to our podcast for a hundred episodes? <laughs> Fair. I mean, they've been on the other, other podcasts and stuff. Other more prestigious podcasts. So honestly, podcasts. I feel like they're signing off on some sort of charity work coming on to this episode. <laughs> they get a tax credit for this. <laughs> <laughs> this community service. Okay. What crimes uh, are they committed? We'll start with Kyle. Tell us real quick about yourself, what you do. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm the design lead at Weird Games, and I make board games, minis games, and RPGs. Yay! 
Okay. And Matt. Golf claps all around. Uh, I'm Matt. I am a game designer at Weird Games. And uh, I help Kyle do all of those things. <laughs> I was hoping you would just give the same exact answer and just start <laughs> just marrying me for the entire talk well, today. Well rehearsed. Surprisingly, we, we have very similar job types. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, we can actually just go ahead and copy Kyle's audio and just uh, pitch it down <laughs> yeah. ever so slightly. Yep. That'd be great. Okay. Um, yes, we got the weird voice. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird, like, actually doing interview things. That isn't dumb questions. I'm very out of my element. <laughs> okay. Uh, a few we things could just I'm talk. That, you know, yeah, we could, we could just talk. There's no pressure. I, but I have a, a nice show notes here that we spent, like, you know, tens of minutes. <laughs> right? I contributed nothing. Me too. Well, so, you know, we'll write it off as me being starstruck. How about that? There you go. Yeah. What? The scoundrel's fanboy over weird? No. No way. <laughs> Except for that guy, Jonathan Weird. <laughs> I'm still not right. convinced that that Nate isn't secretly Jonathan Weird, and that's how the uh, the swine curse change got made. <laughs> it had to come up, didn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, there was no avoiding that. Oh yeah, that, we could just get right to that. Nate, apologize. It's <laughs> <laughs> the one time. This is my public apology. I take back one whole coward. There's two of us. There's two of us. Oh, you'll have to split it in half. You gotta fight over it. Kyle right, can have cow, Matt can have ard. <laughs> okay, they just called you a cow, Kyle. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just continues, I guess I'll accept. I don't, I don't make, know what's happening. Make Kyle a cow, you cowards. <laughs> Give Kyle the talking? cow keyword? God. Yeah, God, now, wait, wait, wait. cow master incoming. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Ooh, yes. nice. Cow master like spoilers. Jesus. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, totally no cows in the next expansion. <laughs> We'll attach an NDA to the uh, to the show notes. Yeah, everyone who listens has to sign an NDA. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> by by listening, you have signed an NDA with your brain. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, because I don't think Nate has actually said it. Thank you guys for that change. We really appreciate also it. Also, that uh, had nothing and, to do with you. It was yeah. entirely yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coincidence. coincidence. No, yeah. no connection. We're just we're just thanking you. <laughs> Whether or not you had it, us had any influence on it, and all no, well, I'm not. Thank you for Ironsides and the suit. Whether or not I had anything to do with that, or if you guys had anything to do with that, someone we, had something to do with we it. We at the office just think swine, uh, swine curse are all cowards, so we made sure to say that they're not cowards. <laughs> we need to make sure yeah. everyone knows their brave boys. <laughs> very brave boys. Very brave boys. Uh, okay. <sighs> So when are we getting the the weird children's book, The Very Brave Piggies? God. Is it written by the Nexus kids? Oh, (laughs) excellent. Yes, please. Creepy, creepy children. No. No, not the... uh, Fewer fewer legs. I love the Nexus kids so much. (laughs) More legs. Uh, Okay, so who of you two decided we needed more creepy children? I so, love the Nexus kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure the the question was how do we make Nexus creepier, and I said make them children. Children. Yeah. Nope. Congratulations. I feel like it's yeah. got to be in the in like the weird bylaws that you have to introduce a certain amount of creepy children as a percentage in in Malifaux. Like, yeah, it's just necessary. And and each one has to be creepier as we go on. Like Malifaux child, just kind of unsettling. Like, is a child in the world? Then you get changelings. Now you have Nexus kids. 
progressively more unsettling. Progressively worse children. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would argue that the changelings are more unsettling than the You're Nexus kids. Not a fan kids. of face removal. I actually no, think the I'm changelings really are also more unsettling than the <laughs> Nexus kids. <laughs> Yeah, the Nexus kids are at least dancing, you know? <laughs> They're having a good time. Dancing sure. has never been creepy. Oh, okay. My changelings are just like, here's what's underneath my face. <laughs> it's another face-ish. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I forget that sometimes, because I use the, the little kids off of the Mysterious Emissary for mine. Yep. Oh, okay. Ooh, you know what? Spice them up real well. Not the, not the uh, uh, Emissary kids, but the changelings. Some googly eyes. Ooh. Mm. That's pretty good. Mm. But but do those go on the removed face or the, the still attached to the head face? Yes. It's really up to you, I guess. Okay. I just want to put the googly eyes on the Malasaurus Rex. Yes. <laughs> I'm just wanting an alt changeling that's Nicolas Cage <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so getting back to this interview that's supposed to be happening. Yeah, okay. So, so some stuff that I thought would be interesting interview questions. Like, hey guys, you, you, you are into things. Your life isn't completely dedicated to developing games for weird. What are you like currently excited about that has nothing to do with weird products? Something fun you're enjoying or that you're excited that's coming out or that you just kickstarted or... Uh, yeah, two things for me. Uh, just kickstarted uh, Kingdoms Forlorn. Uh, that's out right now. Um, it combines my obsession with Dark Souls and my love of boss battlers. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that one. <clears throat> and then in the video game space, Elden Ring. Yes. Uh, once that drops, I'll be uh, disappearing for a little bit. So. <laughs> Same. I'll I'll see you in the worlds between. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I guess for myself, in terms of video games, uh, I think I've mentioned it on other podcasts. I'm very big into Destiny, and the new Destiny expansion <laughs> comes out next week, and I'm super excited for that. I'm gonna play as much of that as I can. And then uh, I've been really into 3D printing a lot recently. I recently got an FDM printer and uh, do that kind of in my spare time. So we've got an SDL for you. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't want to Matt, see it. Matt know. already is shaking his head. Let it be known. He is a wise man. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I got a lot of my plate. Uh, you know, we'll just have to put the fuck here in the uh, the description now. So, uh, We have some weird fans. Okay, but move, moving on. Um, how, did, how did you find yourself becoming a developer at Weird? Uh, well, I, I went to school for game design, uh, the video game side of things, worked in the indie space for a little bit, then that company fell through due to funding, tried finding a job elsewhere, and as it turns out, you need experience to find a job, so mm-hmm. I was in that catch-22. Then, you know, on, uh, I saw a random job post, and I applied, didn't really know anything about Malifaux, but I had experience and knowledge about game design. So at the time they they gave me a shot. Um, actually, they said no the first time. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then like a month later, they're like, you know what? Maybe maybe we'll give you a, cha- a shot. Uh, so here I am, five years later, you know, running their games. So nice, Matt. You know what? They made a pretty okay choice. Yeah, <laughs> a courageous decision. decision. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I had a very similar background to Kyle. I went to school for game design, also a lot of video game stuff, but um, I had, I played a lot of like tabletop games and that kind of stuff and, and did that a little bit in college at the same time. And then I had actually played Malifaux First Edition and 1.5 way long time ago and never played Second Edition, but when I got out of college, just kind of looking for a place to start and I saw a posting and I was like, oh, I, I've heard of this company. I at least know a little bit about it. I applied, and then uh, that's it's where I'm at now. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for deciding to join up with Weird. I think you guys have done a wonderful job. Um, mm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Did anyone ever thank you on an interview before? I don't think so. No, uh, I don't think I've got like a broad stroke "thanks for existing" kind of thing. So, <laughs> I appreciate I'll, that. Thank you for existing. <laughs> oh, that's me. two in a row. I mean. Thank you both for existing, and specifically in the weird universe. I feel like Kyle's done more for me as another game designer than like the community at large. <laughs> She's like, Matt, your designs suck, do better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. M- motivation comes in multiple forms. Yeah, he's he's doing the shrunk down version. I, my, I give him like at least three paragraphs of why it sucks, <laughs> and then I can't read it. <laughs> I'm notoriously bad at grammar and have dyslexia, so he sends oh, no. me three paragraphs. I'm like, this is this is gibberish. Uh, That's please, too many words. TLDR. Yes, please TLDR for me. Okay, next question. What is the favorite thing you personally were responsible for in the Malifaux Burns? Update, wave, book. expansion, book. expansion. Yes, that's the word you use. So to start off, I think it's worth knowing that almost everything that we do here is a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing that we just put out there, you know, put our feet down and say this is the way it's going to go. It's our process is almost always. Hey, I got this idea. Uh, I've got like thirty to fifty percent of this idea, and then someone else will take it the next step. You know. Uh, so, for example, one thing that way back when 3rd edition was in the open beta, or it might have been even the closed beta at this point, I remember the conversation around the Broken Promises style of upgrades and how that was going to be transferred into 3rd edition. And I wasn't working on Malifaux at the time. I was, I think uh, this, was, this was so long ago, I think it was the DCR expansion uh, that I was working on. And I remember picking my head up from the computer and saying... Why not do something like the Magic the Gathering Planeswalkers, where there's four different Garuks, have four different Misakis, you know? And then I just went back to DCR, you know? And (laughs) years later, Matt took that very basic concept and made it work, you know? Um, And, like, went further into it. So I guess I'm proud of that. But as far as, like, Malifaux as a whole and characters and that sort of thing, because I'm predominantly more of the character and lore guy at Weird, uh, especially on Malifaux and stuff. I think the Yedza Seeker crew mm. is my favorite uh, thing that uh, I kind of put a foundation on. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> First, I do, I think it's kind of interesting, because following that the conversation that Kyle and I had way back early in Malifaux's third edition kind of history we had talked about like the title system and that kind of stuff and it made its way into the core book and we only used it for mccabe right (laughs) we only used it to give a man his horse and we're like if this is all it gets from it 
okay, but we'll have it in our background just in case we ever want to do it. Then we're like, yeah, okay, here's the time to do it. But I, I always think it's funny. I was like, yeah, the system has existed for a long time. Just um, ask the players that uh, that play the horse known as McCabe. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. McCabe is the horse. <laughs> um, Thank you. But in so terms much. of. Malfo <laughs> Burns, um, a model that I really like, just the how it in, interacts with what's in the game and kind of shaped certain decisions was the Cultgeist um, and how they interact with Savage and and December. They're just really fun, and it's uh, it's it's sometimes cooler to make small models that work in very specific, interesting ways. Because, I mean, yeah, working on a new master is like, oh, here's this brand new playstyle for everything, but it's also sometimes interesting to be like, what can I fix with one model that can show up here, and, and how cool can that be? And yeah, Cult Guys, I, just, uh, I really like how they play and interact with those two crews. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I also appreciate- And the Nexus Kids. Those are fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> there was one those character... Were, those were a problem, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, from a design perspective... Uh. Creating three characters for one master, you know, that that was an uphill uh, battle. One character I remember that I did put my foot down early on in uh, Malifaux Burns that I, I remember Matt at the time, and I think his opinion might have changed. At the time, it was called the Moving Mound, if you oh uh, were part of the playtest. <laughs> I wanted the Moving Mound so freaking badly. Um, now it's called the Kurgan, Kurgan. Uh, for those who are uh, are not part of the playtest. Um, that's probably one of my favorite new characters, and uh, I love its background. I love how it connects the the two fine, perfectly fine, perfectly friendly ladies. Uh, no evil behind them whatsoever. Um, I, I yeah, do want uh, it to be known that when it was brought to me to be like, we should do the moving mound. That's all it was all at right. that point. Okay, yeah. Let's just have a mound. <laughs> Let's move around. It works in these two crews. <laughs> so hear me out. It was a hard a sell. Right. So, so hang on, Matt. Are you are you saying that was almost the hill you wanted to die on? Uh, oh no! Oh, my internet's going. <laughs> oh no! I did mention earlier about just cutting Roman out of this podcast. Though <laughs> <laughs> so also, those are the jokes that me and Kyle mostly make to ourselves. So yeah, yeah. Oh, no, not Ute. Excellent. <laughs> Um, also, just uh, Zareda as Moth Lady um, yes. was, was something Kyle yeah. was really big into. Angry Battle yep. Granny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I fought for that for a long time. The original concept was defensive Zareda. You know, we have this burning man in the sky and take the whole, I'm going to create a cloud of moths to, you know, protect the bayou and that sort of thing. That was kind of the, the overall visual. You had described uh, it to me trying. using the movie 300. Yeah, um, yeah. The arrows, the arrows. Replace those with moths. Yeah, we'll blot out the second sun. Yeah, that with was the moths. whole concept. Okay, yeah. we're gonna make a cocoon around the Burning Man in the sky. Out of moths. Where are you going? I'm serious. And then, uh, just in terms of other Malifaux Burn stuff, all of the corrupted masters is kind of how we describe them in the office. Those are kind of the first set that we worked on to see yeah. how we wanted to do the titles, and I think all of them are just really, really cool and fun. Um, the visuals for Parker are amazing. Oh my god, yes. absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that it's not a case of, like, Burning Man shows up and he's like, you, 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 you're now my minions, and they're like, okay, yes, daddy. It's a lot more subtle of a corruption sort of situation, or possibly something even more like, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? 
Nope, lost it. Anyways. I mean, it's it, it's the exact opposite of what happened in The Office, where we were kind of like, you, 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 you. <laughs> 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 Not quite, but we, we looked at characters that, you know, we already had a foundation as to how people got affected by the Burning Man. So mm-hmm. reflecting upon that on the Masters, you know, like, Masaki, to me, was an obvious choice, because we never actually saw her in, uh, have like an introspective moment about what she did to her father you know and interpersonally that like even if she is like you know the hard ass that she presents herself as and hates her father that's still going to affect you deeply mm. um so it left an opening so to speak for the burning man to kind of find his way in um and other characters like that you know that that was kind of the angle and then when it came to the bayou we're like well that just none of them right they're, they're all so confident in their own way and so that's why we got the golden fiery pig. Uh, here's this this hard ass in in Ulex. There's no way he's being affected. So oh, here's this sad pig, you know, who just just <laughs> ultimately becomes. Oh, no. awesome. Everyone's just too dumb for sad. <laughs> Are you telling me the pig was depressed? They're not dumb. They're confident. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm sad that pig depression has been confirmed. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I think for Malfa Burns, one of the few masters that we were like, no, it cannot be corrupted as Sonya. Yeah. Like, she's going through too much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and on top of that, she's already, yeah, she, she's already dealt yeah. with her ex before. Yeah. When, when he comes back with the same old shit, different paint job, she knows not to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. It's a different story for her now. It's, it's, it's more about retribution or revenge. It's not about like being taken over by her own anger or emotions or anything like that. Any, uh, she's a very different Sonya. Uh, and you'll see more of that in the t- upcoming TOS book. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, we got, we got spoilers. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> We're that important. I will say in terms of uh, not related to the spoil- spoilers that Kyle was talking about. Yeah. But uh, listening back to some of your guys' old podcasts um, of just anytime Maxine shows up, she's like, I'm going to read through this book and nothing's yeah. going to go wrong. <laughs> I'm just sitting there in my no, office be like, no bad things could happen. <laughs> it's heavily edited. It'll be fine. Sure. Sure. It's fine. Censorship works. You <laughs> 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 big cringe. <sighs> That that's another crew that I, I think Matt and I are both pretty proud of. Um, mm. Maxine and Orville, in particular, that relationship is oh not something God, yes. we see in in Malifaux, and yeah, uh, mechanical, pretty proud of how that one turned out. For me, yeah. the mechanical through line of that crew is math. <laughs> <laughs> yes, science crew for some. Yeah, but impressively, it's math, but math that is fun to play. That was hard to get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes um, it'll hit playtesters, and they're just not fun to play. Um, so, um, yeah, we don't need that last question. That's that's fine because that's just weird to just be like, "Hey, tell us something about yourself you've never told anyone ever on an interview." I really like Disney musicals, <gasps> especially the bad ones. A Immediately, oh, well, there we go. There's a twist. Glad what I asked what that. do you define as a bad one? Um, the one with the Disney villain children. It's like the Descendants or something. I don't even know this one. Ooh. Yeah, it's like old Disney Channel movies. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, those. Oh, those. When I say like bad nice. Disney so Channel musicals. Direct to TV ones. Yeah. The one where it's a I cat, gotcha. but it's an alien. But also all Disney Channel musicals or Disney musicals. Uh, Encanto. Encanto's so good. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Man. No, it is. It's, it's an great. absolute banger. I've had that. I actually just watched that last week. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've had the, the entire soundtrack stuck in my head since then. It's, it, it's a banger. Yeah. 
We don't talk about Bruno lives rent free in my head. When are <laughs> when when are we getting an Encanto themed Nightmare Family Kruba? Malifaux the musical. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like Malifaux the musical would just look like that old Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. No. <laughs> that it was a good episode of Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, board games. We're, we're supposed to be talking about board games. <laughs> we didn't hear Kyle's secrets. Kyle. Oh yes, Kyle. Tell us your speakers. Spill the beans. Um. Tell, tell him about the fish. Uh, well, I, 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 I have uh, an obsession with fish and aquariums. I have a uh, vampire shrimp in that tank. That's yeah, I know. That's the expression that everyone gives me. When how many? I, uh, how many tanks do you have? Uh, I used to have three. I downsized just to two now. Uh, so I've got this one behind me, and in the living room, I've got uh, another one. But big humor is me. Big? What is a vampire? This shrimp? this is a thirty-two. The other one up uh, is only a fifteen. Okay. Uh, the other one, it's got nano fish in it, really tiny fish. Uh, yeah, the vampire shrimp in here get about five inches long though. They're, oh, wow. they're pretty big. Big shrimps. Nice. They're what? they're called vampire shrimp because their claws uh they look like teeth, but Aww. all they do is fan. They they hang out in the current and just do this. <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> they are adorable. Yeah. That... Uh yeah, I had I was into aquariums for all of like half a year in college. It helps me stay creative without thinking about games, you know? So mm-hmm. like I'm yeah. all about like the aquascaping and, you know, keeping plants alive and all that boring stuff, so I thought I think it's interesting. Don't yeah. stop. <laughs> Only we are allowed to be down on ourselves, not you, sir. <laughs> it's interesting to those who are interested in it. Otherwise, it's I don't care, and and that's perfectly fine. You know, that's like us talking about you know painting minis to someone who's never seen D and D before or something like that. I don't care. You at know, the, the, at this point, it's their fault if they haven't seen D and D. Sure. That's why you gotta just be like me and just put gray plastic on the table because I'm a terrible human oh. all the time. Ah, oh. okay, that's a secret I, we didn't want to know. Hate painting <laughs> models. It's the, <laughs> my least favorite part about the hobby. I, I fully understand. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tedious thing. Which is weird for I really like 3D printing and I like like modding them and like doing cool poses and stuff. I hate painting them. <laughs> the I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I've, I've, I love the stuff. You can see some of it behind me. Yeah, that looks that uh, behind Kyle. For everybody who can't see him, is it appears to be all of Kingdom Death. Yep, nice. Yeah, um, at least at the top shelf. And then the bottom here is a lot. Uh, you got my Euripides crew. Got Alpha Crawler, Hormatangi, a mix of Malifaux down here. Very cool. I'm gonna have to bring up a uh, vampire shrimp to Megan because she's been putting together a 75 gallon tank. Uh, okay. Our, yeah. And she just put the first couple fish in it yesterday, two days ago. Um, what kind of fish? Do not remember. <laughs> they are small, and they are good to start with. They are yellow. Yellow fish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, um, I mean, that could be anything. It could be mollies. could be rainbows. We're just going to pivot this this uh, podcast to just talking about fish. We're, yeah, we're good with see, that, right? Oh, yeah. Aquarium-powered scoundrels. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go talk about Bayou Bash. Roman, just run downstairs and find out what fish those are, and then come back up and report. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm just going to message her and be like, hey, what fish are those? Oh, but, yeah, no, her, I guess. She, she spent, like, a week getting the basics of it set up visually, because she wants it to look like a Pandora avatar. Not, not, okay. uh, yeah, like, uh, James, the, the, Cameron. the big blue people. The floating <laughs> rocks and moss and stuff like yep. that? Yeah. Yep. Looks good. Pandora. Anyway, I'm, yes. You yes. said that. Yes. Blah. I, 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 I realize the two listener. words, Pandora and Avatar, in context of this podcast are something yep. very different. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <sighs> Bye, Abesh. It's a board game. Moving on to Vagrant Song. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not I gonna be mean. Honestly, I feel somewhat bad about the whole situation about publishing and how and that kerfuffle. Uh, I have the question of your why. Why Bayou Bash? Why Bayou Bash? Like, it, there was a hiatus where Weird wasn't doing board games. Uh, what was it? Darkness Come Retiling was the last one before Bayou Bash? Yep, yep. Uh, uh, and that was, it was designed both internally and externally. We had, uh, Kevin Wilson was a part of it, but um, so was uh, Aaron and Mason at the time. Yeah, uh, I had come to work here pretty, like, a year after that went out. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure what sparked Bayou Bash, because when I started, Bayou Bash was actually already in development. Uh, it was my understanding that they wanted to make a Gremlin Olympic-style chaotic game, and this was the way that they made it work. Because if you think about designing an Olympics-ish board game, that's that's a lot of components. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this was kind of the focal point, you know, having a chaotic race in the Bayou, the Bayou Bash. It, just, it was already established in the world. So yeah, it uh, just kind of went from there. A lot of the things that we do at Weird, it, when you fundamentally look at why, it's because we want to. You know, that's ultimately, I mean, it's not, we. some of it, is, you know, it's like, oh, I think that this will do well, or I think fans will like this, and that sort of thing. But fundamentally, a good chunk of it is because someone really wants to do it, you know, and we're just going to do it. Uh, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, I mean, that's the development process, yeah, but sometimes when it comes down to the like the core idea of, I just really want to make X. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to try to figure out if we can do it, you know, that sort of thing. So, that's really cool. To me, that's that's one of the best parts about kind of my job, and Kyle's kind of talked about before. We can just try out cool stuff sometimes, and we're like, let's do this weird thing because it sounds cool. Right. Because uh, I want to put a dinosaur on the table, for instance. <laughs> yeah. So let's put a dinosaur on the table and see how that goes. Yeah, how about a haberdashery company? Let's get that in the game. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I, I think why not is a better question for any given uh, product. Right. That's fair. Okay. That's it's oddly similar to this podcast when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't move on from that. I have to know who is responsible for Tall Gremlin. Uh, that would be the artist, uh, oh. actually. Um, yeah. Um, we gave them a premise, and they gave us a wild idea, and we just looked at it and said, well, that's not what we were aiming for, but <laughs> that's amazing, you know? <laughs> um, and here we go. Um, I mean, a lot we, of our art. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll take our concept, our art direction, and they'll run with it, you know? And nice. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we got to get back to them and be like, look, we, we really need this character to have a sword or whatever. The- all we really for. needed for for this character is, you know, they needed to clearly be tailors of some variety. We needed one human, one gremlin, and um, our, our we're really fortunate that our artists know our games really well. Like it's not just like, okay, we we need this knight, you know, okay, draw us a knight. It's we can give them. We need a Bayou character, and they'll they'll run off with it, um, knowing what's already established. So we're really lucky in that regard. Uh, I, I will say I sometimes feel bad uh, a little bit for artists because we'll be like, hey, can you give us a knight with 16 handguns and a shotgun? Because that's really what we envision. <laughs> and then they come back with exactly that, and we just look at them and we're like, this doesn't look good. Um, scrap all that idea. <laughs> yeah, and whoops. it happens a lot of just like, here's this cool idea that we liked conceptually, and then you turn it into art. We're like, um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't actually work when you much. when you look at it. 
I mean, that's, I think that's a part of the artistic process, and it's a part of the development process. You just got to be willing to let things go. Everything is, is iterative, and uh, you got to be okay with saying, you know what, my idea was not a good one. Either we pivot it and uh, take a look at what, uh, the parts that were good, or we just leave it by the wayside and come up with something better. That's that's and then, design. And sometimes we just have a mound that, that moves around, and <laughs> you just move on Kirk with that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just really glad Kurgan was visually distinctive from uh, Bad Juju. Juju. I was I was slightly afraid of that. So am I. <laughs> that was a big concern that we had. <laughs> I was concerned. I was confident. And we love this little <laughs> dynamic of like which one of them gets the gets Kurgan on the weekends and who's you know <laughs> paying for daycare and all that. I've got two grandmas. <laughs> Uh, sell sell the game. Sell us the game on on Bayou Bash, or we can just do that. We can sell the game. Someone can sell the game. It's it's uh the quickest I guess sell that people would give is it's kind of it gives the same feeling of Mario Kart but on on, on a board game level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, with alcohol. With 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 alcohol. Techni- well, yes, with alcohol. Moonshine Mario Kart. Moonshine Mario Kart. But the modularity of it makes it sure that you're not going to have like the same track ever, ever again. And while it's very bright and colorful and cartoony and having a great drinking and party game, there is a lot of hidden depth to it that I, I really appreciate. Where if you're sober, you can actually do some really crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> but that's probably against the theme. Any, anything anything else you guys like? want is like quick, why should people buy the game kind of a thing. I think he covered a lot of it, um, but yeah, uh, the modularity, The if you're looking for something chaotic, but you, there's a dash of control in there, finding those opportunities, if, if that's the sort of thing that you like doing, um, you'll enjoy it. If you don't like falling off the track and staggering and the randomness, you probably won't like it, but... We rather than like saying, okay, some players are just not going to like that. You know, um, I, I would say that randomness in general, when it comes to board games, is one of those like taboos. You know, stay away from random. Instead, we decided to embrace it because that's that was what you know all those kart racers were all about. There, it wasn't necessarily about winning because that blue shell could come out of nowhere. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was always about you know the the experience and that sort of thing. Um, so that's that's Bayou Bash. If you if you miss the scatter die from 40k, this is the game for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've also heard if you play a hundred games of it in a row, Nate spontaneously appears in your house. <laughs> well, that's just gonna curse on, people right? to not play that often. That's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I like honestly one of my favorite things about it is how randomness works and fits the narrative. I've played a decent amount of racing-type board games before, and either you have way too much control for what a, a racing game is supposed to give you, or the randomness feels a bit too weird and arbitrary, and I appreciate that, yes, you're technically controlling the jockey, not the mount. And <laughs> you can only give that thing so much control and direction, and the rest it's just going to do on its own. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, you, you do have to roll dice, and you are going to get numbers uh, that might not work in your benefit, but you get to choose which dice you resolve when, uh, and that sort of thing. And, like you said, how uh, there's some added depth to the game. Uh, once you start figuring out that rocks aren't always bad, you're going to have a much better time, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I like running into my own fans just so I don't go off the track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, you're going to lose a, a fan either way. <laughs> might as well keep going. 
<laughs> I appreciate how like how fast it is to learn. Mm-hmm. Like sure. within two mm-hmm. two rounds, like or two two turns, everyone knows what they're doing basically. Because I was I was helping teach it at Gen Con, and everyone caught on real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't want to make a complex game. That's not the nature of it, you know. Um, Bio so... complex. <laughs> right. No, we we already do complex in a few other areas. Uh, so this. <laughs> Uh, this we wanted to keep simple. We wanted to keep lighthearted. It, we didn't want you to go from playing Malifaux to playing Malifaux the racing game. You know that mentally would have just been too exhausting. Mm. There's no. That's, is that the Badlands Open? <laughs> I was gonna uh, say make yeah, a the through the breach adventure. Yeah, Badlands okay. Invitation. Yeah, Invitation. Thank you. Make a Gaslands port for Malifaux. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, okay. Um, I think we're willing to like point out things. At least we don't like. You guys aren't. Don't have to. Uh, say anything about the game you dislike, but this is just to keep us honest as a podcast to say we're not a thousand percent fanboying. Uh, stuff we don't like about the game. For me, I think one of the most obvious ones is the missing dash die. The swift die? Swift die, sorry. Yeah, swift. Sure. Yeah, there's there's one card in the game that with four swift die, but there's three mm. swift die in the game. Yep. Yeah. It's that, it's fair. not that it's not that hard to circumvent and, and do, but that was just that's the most obvious one, I, I would I would say. And it's not that big of a deal either, so <laughs> whatever. Do you have anything you don't like about the game? Not that I think of. No, you can come back to it. Okay. If missing a swift eye is the harshest criticism you can come up with. I think that's a win for us. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a pretty big win. Oh, yep. It doesn't include would... the actual models and you have to buy the starter. <laughs> yeah, we, we're gonna need a we're gonna need a scaled up version that we can fit forty mil models on on the board. Um, so, <laughs> but get, but get, also get they have that, to boys. fit on the square, so you need to downsize them. We need a special starter box with slightly smaller models. <laughs> And then we need the deluxe edition where you actually have a giant rabbit to ride. <laughs> that that's that a different complaint. that's a different topic, Roman. We'll be getting back to that later. I will say that I've uh, in my experience it is better with more people, which isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a criticism, but it is harder yeah. for two people to interact as much. Sure, I yeah, watched two I've people heard that at before. the uh, I watched two people where one of them got knocked off real early, and then they had a real hard time catching up to interact with the other. But yeah. that could just as easily be a fluke for that one game, you know? No, that make, makes perfect sense, because random. the more players you have, the more cards you're drawing, and as the rear-ender, the more you can direct advantage to yourself and disadvantage to the frontrunner. Mm-hmm. If that is a uh, criticism that keeps you away from the game, I would suggest keeping an eye out for when we announce the expansion. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, I, I won't go into too many details about it, but we we knew that that was a criticism going into this expansion, and we wanted to uh, find unique ways of solving that because I think two player games, especially right now, are needed. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, uh, that was a that was a, an obstacle we wanted to knock out with the expansion, among other things. That just with every expansion, you want to improve upon the established games. So uh, at so, the yeah. very least, make use of that artwork you paid for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Any other cr- cr- critiques? Nah. I okay. Like no. Per- play it more perfect. Often. Perfect game. Uh, I already kind of went over my my thing about it. There's there's actual hidden depth to it. It's not just Candyland the with little green men kind of a thing. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this, but who the hell named all the cards? <laughs> That'll be me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so yeah. No. It- those names and like the like the naming of uh, racer abilities and that sort of thing was I, I know it, it you read it and you're like what the heck this is ridiculous but it was really important to us to have that kind of humor in the game <laughs> throughout like if you're not laughing at the thing that's happening on the board at the very least you're laughing at 
the fact that you're doing something that's like I have complete disbelief and I'm doing that ability or um I'm prancing, you know, like having <laughs> these really strange names uh fit fit the theme of the game. To me, one of the things that that really helps especially for like what kind of people that we envision are playing the game at any given time is being able to kind of tell a story as you go and silly names and stuff like that of being like um my my uh I guess she's called Bo Peep and Malifo, but my pig is prancing across the field and gonna bash into this guy and you can just kinda see a a very specific image in your head, um, which to me is really important, is just being able to envision what's going on and in like a a fun, silly game uh that's kinda meant to be played without Bayou Bash is not meant to be like that hyper competitive Twilight Imperium kind of game experience. <laughs> Um, that I will play in my time. It is meant for <laughs> beer and pretzels all the way. Um, and if you can just just explain a silly story while you're playing, it makes it all the better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm desperate to see what Twilight Imperium, but in the Bayou, would look like. Bayou Imperium. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, honestly, a game about Bayou politicking would act, might actually be really God. interesting. What is the name of the Bayou Politic experience? Demo Crazy? Demo Crazy, yeah. All all the resources are hats, yeah. That could be a game on its own. (laughs) I'm a big fan of that heavy strategy game, so... (laughs) Ah, you're such a nerd, oh my god. (laughs) One of the few games that I have Uh, in this room, it's hidden in the closet, is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Uh, That'd be a crazy follow-up to Bayou Bash. Like, ah, fun fun racing game. Politics. Here's an economy system. Uh, And that actually brought up an actual... uh, No, not an actual complaint. A fun complaint. That doesn't actually mean anything, but let's pretend that... There's no economy system in Bayou Bash? Yeah, there's no economy system in Bayou Bash. There's the fact that the models and the starter box don't match the cards in the game, and when I play the game with friends who have no idea what Malifaux is, I keep referring to them as Bo Peep, Mm. and yeah, uh, Fluffernighter and all that stuff, and they had no idea what I'm talking about. Sounds like you need cooler friends. <laughs> I I can explain at least an answer, which is uh, games take a long time to develop, and sometimes you commit to things. And then when you get to Malifo, you're like, I can't really name a model pig. Um, yeah. Give pig the pig so keyword. So <laughs> Okay. Uh, That's good insight, though, Matt. Thank you. What's, what's next on the list? Yes, thank you. Here's, like, this is going to be, like, an off-the-record. I am no longer talking as developer of Malifaux here. I'm not sure what you're allowed to say. But if you got to dictate a deluxe edition of this board game, what would you change or what would you add? Just just a bottle of moonshine or... Um, so, uh, in a lot of Kickstarters, they have super deluxe components. Which I don't usually get, but I think a deluxe components of like the rabbit is like furry with rabbit hair would be very very funny. That'd be fantastic. The barrels have like enough room to like pour a shot in them. Oh, there you go. All of, all of the fans are actual gremlin miniatures that you have to assemble. <laughs> oh, don't, don't make like people this, like Nate? call out Bayou Bash in terms of Yanlo, uh, like instead of Yanlo's beard. <laughs> it's fixed Yanlo. We we can't make fun of Yanlo's beard anymore. It's no longer. But a problem. Um, hyper-realistic, uh, improbable components, I think, would be a hilarious addition Excellent. to Bayou Bash. Pig made of actual pig. Oh. No, it's a pig made of bacon. I mean, yeah, which is delicious. actual pig, but... Yeah, you gotta refrigerate the box. 
it comes in one of those big styrofoam things that you can get from like Omaha Steaks. It just, it's just, the only it's, board game you have to keep in the freezer. Bo, Bo Peep <laughs> is just a roll of bacon and uh, let's, 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 oh, I forgot his name. The chicken. Re- you can replace your missing components by going down to the nearest butcher shop <laughs> or McDonald's. See, if this conversation was happening internally at Weird and Matt brought up the idea, this would be the time when I would say no. I would. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say no to me here now, Kaya. <laughs> right, yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, told sorry, you excuse me. Are you pay- playing the slab of bacon or are you playing the chicken nugget? Which I'm which saying that the rocks of the game should be actual rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, you say no here, you get labeled a coward for some reason. Yeah, I know. That's how this works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about checks and balances here. <laughs> the jockey okay. cards? They're actual jockeys that come to your house. They're just game <laughs> over. Nice. That's convenient. It, the more ridiculous I make it, the more it's easier for us to be like, no, that was a joke. You actually have to pay them to use their abilities. <laughs> Golden coins? Actual gold. It's a very expensive actual game. Gold. <laughs> Like carrots, golden carrot coins. Yeah, no, no, just it's the refrigeration idea. Just come with like a, a bag of of little, uh, Grimway baby carrots. They're, they got yellow carrots. Yellow carrots exist. Just call them gold. Do you like Bayou Bash? Do you like culinary arts? Here's the game for you. <laughs> Do you like nutrition? Does it have the calorie count on the back of the game? <laughs> Absolutely, it would have to. <laughs> Excuse me, why does this box of nutrition facts on the back? Like, sir, this game contains a steak, eggs. With carrots on the side, like, ready to go. <laughs> it's a pork steak, but... Collaboration between Weird Games and HelloFresh. It's Bayou Bash! <laughs> Suddenly your your favorite local game store has, like, a freezer section. <laughs> it's a new it's a new, it's a new market, guys. Come on, come on. I think we're, we're seeing types. Kyle die internally. Yep. Now, Kyle, <laughs> and so... externally. I don't know if you're noticing. <laughs> you were... <laughs> The question was, what deluxe thing would you add to this game? Now, what can you add to the game that I'm proposing? Well, the thing is, that if I was to give a, a reasonable answer, it would just sound stupid at this point because you're like, I'm gonna put living animals in it. We're gonna we're gonna freeze dry it all, and you're gonna have some fresh bacon. The, the, the box just contains plane tickets. We're flying you to Louisiana. <laughs> We're going to dress you up as a wild guy and throw you in the woods. <laughs> All of the pools of water are actual swamp water collected from the bayou. I got an actual stick. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst one. Be like, oh, I'm playing as like an egg and a chicken and I'm playing like a piece of bacon. I got a tiny stick. In my character. <laughs> okay, this is a full meal, so it's obviously the container of toothpicks. Oh, it's, it's just a no, piece no, of broccoli. It's mushrooms. It's mushrooms. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, everyone's de- everyone's dead. Broccoli. It's a whole lot of It is a tiny tree. tree, I gotta give you that. Yeah, it's a tiny tree. Or Perfect. cauliflower. Very similar tiny tree. Just <laughs> different worse. Um, uh, excuse me? Did you say cauliflower is worse than broccoli? Yeah, I did. It is. Agreed. You're wrong. I stand by that. <laughs> I had broccoli for dinner tonight, and I wish it was cauliflower. Mm. Yes. I wish it was Brussels sprouts, which I had. I just didn't Ooh, want to take the time to make. that, oh, that is a respectable yes. opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty stuck on Kyle's idea of dress people up in a Waldgeist and leave them in the woods. <laughs> have, have Shia LaBeouf hunt them and try to ride them. Honestly, that sounds that sounds like where I just want to go with my life in general. Uh, can we get Shia LaBeouf for Bayou Bash? <laughs> I was just thinking the Bayou Bash project. <laughs> the Blue <Blair Witch> project. Hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, we have we're talking about board games. Um, is this like a lore <laughs> podcast or something? <laughs> it's something. It's something. That is. We're just gonna or put a that. podcast where you make play weird games. We don't know what kind of podcast we are. <laughs> we just schedule it and it just happens. Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels. It's something. A is podcast. that the cold open now? Just yes. An hour long cold open. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite an hour, but okay. Really I, pissed that one guy off. <laughs> <laughs> so we got sass about our intro being too long. I did not listen. Um, I would. This isn't like a legitimate answer. I would actually like just an entirely new, a full bag of dice to buy separate. Uh, just because one thing I noticed playing the game is like trying to find the dice where it rolled onto the table because you have to hand it to your friend who's going next. Would be easier if we just had like a big pile of them. Yep. That everyone just grabbed what they needed. Uh, so Getting slightly be, ahead, I've done, I've done that for Vagrant Song, where everyone just has their own set of dice, and it's it's very convenient. Bones. They're called Bones. Double yeah. Bones. Yeah, my, uh, my wife actually just got me real bone dice for Vagrant <laughs> Song. <laughs> well, uh, not, I don't have a wife, but I wait, got you, them I was going to say, when did you get married, Eli? <laughs> it's a secret. Why wasn't I there? <laughs> what I really like about these, and I think you can get them on Etsy, I think that's where she got them from, is that... So they're all super imperfect. Like the sides are not well balanced. It looks, Ooh. it looks handmade, you know, and yeah. that totally fits the feel of Vagrant mm-hmm. Songs. So, ah, that's, um, that's, I mean, that's a mad flex. Do they come um, pre-haunted, or do you have to find the ghost yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you're traveling around with bones, so I'm sure the rest of your life is ruined. But. <laughs> uh, just a funny story because I think it matches this exact moment. Yes. Um, at conventions, Kyle used to carry along an app for ghost hunting. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Anytime we would get in a hotel room, we would just check to see if the hotel room was haunted. So, All right, we see where the seeds of uh, Vagrant Song came from. Then. <laughs> yep. That, yeah, man. I mean, we, we could joke about that all day long, but that's absolutely <laughs> a part of it. Like, you know what? Awesome. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> it, okay. it was a, a silly joke, and... Uh, it turns I, out all of Gen Con, by the way, is haunted, just so you're aware. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very true. No, those uh, are neckbeards, not ghosts. Very similar, <laughs> but, <laughs> They're just pale because they don't get any sun, see? They, oh. they congregate near the Magic the Gathering table for some reason. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, do sh- you should bring humanity back to the people at Magic the Gathering table. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that by punching them? <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Is busting them? Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna put all of my coins on bust on the next magic player I see, and then I'm gonna call you guys about it. You need to put on the white gloves, otherwise it's not thematic. Mm, you're right. Probably like cut off your pinky. I don't. Does the character the pinky the character of the glove the have of the glove, Nate? Five or four fingers? That's an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold on, I think hold on. You've got there's work in the book. Four fingers. Four I fingers. Think. I ah! also looked on the box. Classic. <laughs> All right. Or at least the Runaway has four fingers. Right. In oh, classic cartoon style, they might change. Yes. Who knows? Fibalist <laughs> and Empress also on uh, the book. On, and so, um, I'm pretty sure there's at least one character that has many more fingers. Has many more <laughs> yeah, limbs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spoilers. All fingers. Uh, honestly. Is, Finger man. I don't know where we're coming from. Is this uh, is this podcast okay with spoilers or just a small amount of spoilers? We don't Keep it care. <laughs> As many spoilers as you want. I'm going to do small amount of spoilers for Vagrant Song. Like, you, I don't when think you it... open the box, there's a character with many limbs. Yeah, like, who, who isn't going to, yeah. like, fiddle with the, the st- all the fun acrylics in the box and see Hands Man, the Handipus? He's, you got to uh, peel all the plastic off. 
Let's let's not go with a hand of puss. Let's stick with hands, man. If we're gonna do a different name, <laughs> Mr. Handyman. Uh, be- before we definitely get into the vagrant song, a- another question, obviously off off the record, if it needs to be, but this is technically a Malphotian game. Now it's it's been made slightly more agnostic of Malfo. Uh, the there's there's items on the racers that aren't really like fitting of the time limit of Malfo. It doesn't really reference a bunch of stuff from Malfo. And anyone that's ever played Malfo is like, oh, Gremlins, Body Bash, racing and stuff. But is this something that Weird might consider doing in the future? Different tie-in games that aren't miniatures. Well, this is um, the second uh, Malifaux-related tie-in game that Weird's done, Puppet Wars uh, being the mm, first. Yes! Um, so we found that I think it's it's a, it's an interesting challenge, um, because not all minis players are board gamers, not all board gamers are minis players, and as much as we wish Malifaux conquered the world, Malifaux is a relatively niche war game. So when we make a board game, and we make it a Malifaux-themed board game, how much of an audience is open for that? Um, so that's something that we have to consider. So Bayou Bash is part of the Malifaux universe, but if you didn't know that, it makes no impact at all to your mm. experience. And that was really important to us. Um, you could you could find those little hints and secrets. You can see you know the similarities and the chaos that the gremlins and the bayou brings or you can just see the game in a different light completely without uh, having any knowledge of malifo yeah i guess it, bayou would be the easiest to do it with anyways because they're sort of the outlier faction that's yeah. let's be honest you don't here. you don't really need any established lore to be like hey look goblins little goofy <laughs> green men <laughs> yep what? and i'm not i'm not saying that it's like out of the realm of possibility to, I don't know, hypothetically make a Ten Thunders espionage game or something like that. But um, there are a certain level of expectations when you're making a Malifaux-themed game, depth probably being one of them, even <laughs> like outside of a theme. And while I mean, we already kind of covered it, that Bayou Bash does have layers in it, in, in the complexity of the game, how to play it is very straightforward. I'm moving and rolling dice and using some actions on my card. And hopefully I don't get flung off the track, you know? Uh, so, possibly, but not currently announced. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, we're, we're, we'll get into Bagrant some, but why don't we just take a short break? We've had an hour here. Get a drink, get a bathroom break to do whatever you need. Yeah, we'll just reconvene in like five minutes. Uh, that, that okay with everyone? All right. Yeah. We are talking about Vagrant Song and literally nothing else. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. No secrets this is, here. This is a board game called Vagrant Song put out by Weird Games and involving Kyle and Matt in some way. And Large has, ways. Big ways. That's a, that's a description, yeah. yep. <laughs> has been an absolute bitch to distribute. Yeah. Yeah, there's no hiding that. Um, yeah. The, the first print just vanished, read as uh, after being stuck on the ocean. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, over the the like, we got the game produced. It hype was starting to be generated, and then when it finally arrived, you know, it, all of those were called for. So, yeah, the first release, you know, good luck finding it on the shelf. And it it's not easy for us to see it that way, you know. Like, it, it sucks for us too. I want it in everyone's hands. It's just a, a, a harsh reality of what's going on right now. We the pandemic hurt the the board game industry and yep. it's difficult for us to guess especially uh, as a company who traditionally doesn't make a lot of board games 
to guess the 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 right number as far as how much to produce, how 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 excited are players going to be about this game? And we might have had the right guess before certain videos went out, and then things changed overnight for us. Um, which is like it sounds like I'm complaining, but this is the best problem for us to have, right? Like, it's very humbling. Right, yeah. People are starting to talk about the game, they're starting to want the game, and we're pushing for a second printing before the first one gets here. It's unreal, and it's both frustrating and, like, otherworldly, right? So the frustrating part is, yeah, I want everyone to experience this game. We put, like, two years of our lives into this thing. We we want, like, ten copies at every local game store. You know, there's... There's, but there's there's dreams and then there's reality, and we aimed for somewhere in between, and you know now we're already looking at a third print, you know. So <laughs> awesome. I mean, Vagrant Song has taken taken the ghost world by storm, and we're just <laughs> we're stoked about it. How to go with tra- taking the train tracks by storm? Oh, okay, all right, sure, uh, that's probably better. Yeah, alliteration. <laughs> Or suplex the ghost train world by storm. Uh, <sighs> we specifically that, don't suplex this train. Yeah, it's no yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> it is unfortunate. Um, but in all seriousness, it is it is a beautiful game. Honestly, absolutely. Like bare minimum, it is just beautiful on its own. So let's get back to the question of why. Well, we understand why <laughs> Bio Bash is there is because Bio Bash was already a thing in Malfa. It's easy enough to. Convey that idea into a board game. Vanguard Song is its own thing. You guys confirm that it is not a part of the Malifaux universe. So how did this come about? So for starters, one thing I guess worth knowing about, you know, developing at Weird is that we're always kind of brainstorming or, you know, half working on multiple projects to see how far we can get. You know, does this concept work? That sort of thing. 99% of those end up just being like a folder on our drive or something like just something that we're just ultimately not going to get back to at the time we were working on a dungeon crawler i wasn't in love with the theme of it repitched the whole game and here we go vagrant song and at the time it was a dungeon crawler um if you've played it now it it's got elements but really it's it's a boss rush boss battler now and in my opinion i think it's better for it because once we started creating the kind of pillars of what we wanted to accomplish with the game, we realized that the shortcomings of dungeon crawlers were extremely limiting to us. Like one thing in particular I could think of is traditionally dungeon crawlers have loads of tiles and uh, setting up how the game looks takes almost as long as playing the game. And we started with that uh, as a system. We wanted, you know, 10 to 12 train car tiles that were double-sided that all had different terrain and, you know, this, that, and the other thing on it, and it just wasn't worth it. it. It didn't make any sense for what we were trying to accomplish. We wanted to make a game that felt epic, like a dungeon crawler does, but doesn't have 45 minutes of setup. And I think there were other pillars that we had, but I think that in particular is one of the, the proudest things that we accomplished, is making sure that the game could be set up in five minutes and torn down in two. You know, it takes no time to get playing. Um, that was really important to us. But yeah, back to your question. I just pitched the thing. <laughs> and uh, I pitched like three different uh, themes and concepts for possible directions that we could take this crazy idea. And one of them was Hobos on a Ghost Train, and that just captured everybody. Yeah, Hobos on a Ghost Train is a good pitch. That is, yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, 
I've always been reading, you know, Kerouac books, and I love ghost stories. Clearly, like I was, I had an app on my phone. I was like talking to ghosts in our hotel room. That's amazing. So yeah, that's where it came from. On my part, Kyle was like, "Let's do this," and I said, "That sounds cool." And then I went with it. <laughs> Good job, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Just to throw my answer well, to that well question, done, why Matt. I worked on it. Good job. <laughs> sounds cool. As someone who enjoys the big campaign games mentioned, I really appreciate that you guys put in thought on how long it takes to set up and take down the game. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's very elegant compared to a lot of the other competitors in the same department. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say one thing that kind of it happened very recently, but it uh, it was really interesting because I was thinking about Vagrant Song. We had just kind of recently put it out, and I went to a friend's game night. And they pulled out a game that I'm not going to name because I don't want to like badmouth it or anything. And continued to pull out decks of cards oh, no. for like yep. five minutes, and Ugh. was like, "Okay, let's play this game, and let's find what we need of these thirty decks of cards in these thirty tiles." And I, like, within an hour, we still had not started, and I was like, "Okay, I'm glad we took this direction because." This by itself kind of ruined this game for me. And I went and played it, and I was like, oh, the gameplay is pretty fun, but the hour of sifting through cards in this big-ass box already blew me out. To go to, to play off of that, Matt, the thing that's... The quickest way to sort of explain why this is awesome is that if you have, for, most, for the most part, a campaign game, it is game night. That is all you play. With Vagrant Song, it is games night. It is the not the only thing you can play in a night with friends. Mm-hmm. It's that quick. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, you can absolutely do like one session and then move to a different game or mm-hmm. whatever. You can play Bayou Bash. I think I kind of speak for Kyle also at the same time of like when I said like how long the game takes and like the, just the mental strain is super important in, in all of these games. And for us, like, it's... For Vagrant Song, you can play two sessions in a row. And if you do, you'll probably be pretty worn out. Because they are... The scenarios in Vagrant Song aren't not complicated. They they, they have their, their depths and stuff. But, like, being able to say, like, let's put it a, an hour scenario, put it on the table, and then kind of move to something else and, and kind of refresh ourselves was a really important aspect. Now, granted, some scenarios are get more complicated, especially the further you get in the game. But for the most part pretty easy breezy yeah i have a friend who just uh started playing got to mako joe and if you haven't experienced mako joe he's one of the first major obstacles in the game he's gonna kick your butt yeah but you can survive but it's gonna drain you mentally Mm -hmm. and he was explaining how they were preparing to go into the next fight and they were reading how different it was they're like you know what we'll play tomorrow you know and and that's that's like we we would break. rather in Vagrant Song. One, I mean, one other aspect about dungeon crawlers that we, I mean, these, these criticisms that we're making about this genre of game are about games that we love. You know, like mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have one right next to me right now that's out because I don't want to put it away. Or I'm just going to play it all the time. But one thing about uh, a lot of these types of games is one session is going to feel very similar to another. It you're always going to just go kill the guys, get the treasure maybe get your little objective complete and that's it. One major goal about Vagrant Song is making sure that every scenario felt vastly different. Mm-hmm. With the core foundations of like, okay, we're we're saving this haint, there's we're dealing humanity, we're performing rituals, but the way you do it is 
essentially a puzzle each time you face it, yep. and you have to unravel that puzzle as you're playing it, and they're all very different puzzles. That was another point of importance to us. And I have to say, that's another one that comes across really well in actual play of the game. Uh, we just played a couple scenarios the other day, and the second one we did was Blackbird, Okay, which in addition to being a great puzzle, was also just a great story that it kind of told as you as you teased out the little details you could find. Blackbird uh, specifically has one of my favorite stories in the game. Yeah. With what happens there. But one of the things I kind of want to call back to something Kyle was kind of talking about, but also the setup question is like a lot of games will, will you'll set up all your tiles and moving from the tiles from the start of the dungeon or whatever to the boss feels very, very similar. And so that was one of the reasons why we felt okay kind of removing a lot of that and just getting down to here's your your train, here's your boss fight, because all of that kind of extraneous stuff doesn't necessarily feel as necessary if you can make sure this one fight feels super cool and super unique. Yeah, Um, the whole whole board is so relevant in Vagrant Song. And every fight, like, no no matter which scenario you're on, like, the whole train is relevant. Yeah, there was always a question in every scenario that we were working on was how do we get, like, what's a reason players have to go to this side of the train and this side of the train? So that, like, they're at least moving around. And every scenario, there's a reason to go everywhere and look at everything. And sometimes it's just to mess with you a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. there's one scenario that, like, you do walk to the other side of the train and it kind of laughs in your face, but... Yeah. So... And I think you, I think, I think you did a good job of teaching that lesson from the start, like with the turn faces as like the first scenario. Like I think you learn that pretty, <laughs> you, you'll learn that pretty quickly off the bat, and then like it just continues from there. And you're like, okay, yeah, there's always going to be something relevant throughout this whole this whole gameplay area. And that that was a very specific conversation Kyle and I had. It, it had because the. Blade Man and uh, Turn Faces got a lot of work as like tutorial scenarios. How do we mm-hmm. teach and develop sort of good habits between players? And we wanted to make sure in those scenarios that we don't do anything that will make you think of a bad habit immediately. Like we don't want to instill upon the idea to you that it's bad to look at these event tokens all the time. Like there needs to be like a reason to look at them. It kind of needs to feel good, but also sometimes it needs to feel not as good. So it can be a little bit of a risk mm-hmm. that you're kind of coming from. And I think that was really important, especially in those first two scenarios. And and later on, especially in individual chapters, there'll be certain kind of reoccurring themes that uh, the earlier scenarios in those chapters are sort of like, let's get this point across, and then we can sort of double back on if it's okay to to go back against that. So yeah, yeah, like the the turn phases in particular. There's there's two very strong reasons. I guess, spoilers, if um, you haven't played the first scenario in Vagrant Song, if you haven't, it's on Tabletop Simulator. Go check it out. <laughs> um, it's free. If you have but, Tabletop Simulator. Right, if you have Tabletop Simulator. Otherwise, go watch it on YouTube. There's there's a few of them out. Um, but uh, the turn faces, the very first scenario that you face, the thing they do is ignore you. And they run away from you. That was from the start by design uh, for two reasons. One, it it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And Bacon Song is, you know, a, a lot of it is about that. It's about, you know, fearing the unknown and, and not feeling like you know what to do uh, at any given moment. 
and two, from you know uh, a tutorial space, giving players the room to experiment with their general actions by you know as a default when it comes to like an experienced player. If you're looking at, you know, the generic actions that everyone has, generally you're not going to look at those. You're not going to really consider those in the same way. You're going to look at your specialized skills and stuff like that. But here, here's an opportunity to show you how powerful rummaging is, the value of investigating, um, and that sort of thing. So giving you the space to experience that without focusing on the boss, giving you just those few turns to breathe was really important to us. And then, you know, things happen and they turn around. I one of the things I kind of like designing uh, that specific scenario is one of the rituals is like them moving from train car A to train car C, yep. and vice versa. And one of the reasons why we put that there is to kind of give you the initial impression, like if you're looking at the board and and you are experienced with this kind of game, you will know that they will turn around because the game is telling you that they need to do that as one of your sub goals. And so it it does give you the sense of like. We have a moment. The game is kind of giving us this very introductory couple rounds to just get our footing because we know they'll turn around. And if that doesn't kind of hit the players, it immediately, as soon as they do that kind of turn around, the idea there is like, cool, now you've seen how they do that. How can you arrange yourselves to do this cool ritual to learn how to solve the puzzle because we're showing you how it's done in the first place? Mm-hmm. Oh, that ritual was. The one I played it. I've played turn phases a couple times. Uh, the last one with I think four other people. Everyone was just rummaging so long to get everything out of the bindle except for the rabbit's foot, and it took us like two, three turns before we finally drew that rabbit's foot to get that ritual. <laughs> but you know that taught us about the idea of pulling things out of the bindle bag to get the result we want from the hate turn. Yeah, and that's a that's a lesson that some people don't learn the entirety of their experience. And I think it's also it's also okay to not have to have that level of strategy. You don't necessarily need to think that deeply about Vagrant Song to to have fun, but you can find that layer of manipulation uh, manipulating the game by limiting haint options, you know. Um. I've always been impressed with how, like, how cinematic it can feel. Especially just, just the first scenario with the, the turn faces where they're walking away from you. It's super creepy. And then, like, bam, things change. You're like, oh, oh, that spooked me. And, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's the same way in every scenario. There's always something that, like, an image in my head at least once in the scenario where it's just like, that is creepy or that is very cool. And I, I just, you always get that feeling, and it's very good. A lot of that came directly from kind of how Kyle and I designed the, like, enemy actions, is we would just talk about, like, what's a cool thing they can do in this moment visually on the train? In Bayou Bash, we did the same thing with Jockey Cards. In Malifaux, I did the same thing when designing characters. What What is visually happen- happening here to get across, like, this could be a cool moment, and Vagrant Song with the sort of uh, all the descriptive text and and um, kind of the the silly names lets us really dig into that even more. Of just can the the players picture themselves on the train in this this silly situation, and uh, when if it's snowing or if there's a, a headless man swinging a lantern around, or everyone's suffocating. 
Or, or that oh, one. Oh, you fought that one too, huh? I've, yeah, we did, I've, I've done that one. That was stressful. That gave okay. me very personal stress. And that, I, it, it's a little spoilers to talk about that, that scenario. Um, but the, it, those scenarios like those uh, show the kind of cool places you can go in certain mm-hmm. game systems if we're just being like, yeah, sometimes we just want to try something new. Um, and I can't really get into it without spoiling that scenario. Yeah, like what it's happens, so but... it's so different though. Like that's all I can yeah. say about it is just it is such a different scenario to almost anything else I've seen. It's just like, oh, this is this is um stressful in a different way. That was yeah. another element that was important to us too is difficulty, but not overwhelming difficulty, and not designing difficulty for just one player type. If we were designing purely boss after boss after boss, we would be designing difficulty based around a player who is very strategically minded, uh, someone who's going to be thinking about the ins and outs of you know their odds and what maximize their abilities and that sort of thing. We threw in puzzle scenarios, and suddenly those people who were you know wiping the floor with some of these bosses are struggling in a way that they didn't think that they could struggle in a board game while some other players who, you know, might have struggled against the Flayed Man, for example, or, you know, they solved the puzzle. They figured it out right away. And it was just really interesting to see that different players experiencing difficulty at different times based on their own perspectives, playstyles, and preferences. And th- that was an idea for, that was one of the ideas behind, like, the rituals. Yeah. Because we, we found uh, before they were introduced, players would just beat on the boss as much as possible. And as soon as we gave them, like, sub-goals, some players were like, I just want to beat on the boss. Some people was like, I want to explore this train and see cool things, because I know that I'll be helping as much, if not more, sometimes less, it really depends on the scenario, to see all of these different cool things about the train, and sometimes get big humanity bumps just for running around and opening a, a, a case full of bones. Collecting organs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and the game really incentivizes you to explore the train as much as possible and learn who these characters are. But if you don't want to do that and you just want to punch the boss in the face a lot, it's your game. Do whatever em- you want. Empress might be for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that'll work out for you. I, I do recommend not punching a boss in the base as much. Play a nice song, do a dance. Yeah. That's much more effective in 99% of the situations, unless you're yeah. a puppy dog. Puppy dog got good puppy dog, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the puppo. Well, the run was reminding a person of their humanity through pain. <laughs> right? Uh, it was specifically busting them, and yes. the joke is just a Ghostbusters reference. Nice. <laughs> no, actually, no, like, I, I always figured the, the bust-up term was, was just fitting of the, like, the old-timey theme. Yeah. But also, but also Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't connected that. Because we just needed that, like, here's something that everyone can do at any given point that is not super effective, but is sort of a last-ditch effort. Be like, you got you got fists in big white gloves, and pain makes you think of a person. It makes you think that, yeah, you're alive. Sometimes pain does that. Uh, but also, like, usually singing a song or showing someone a picture of their kids is going to do better. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is just upholding the weird tradition of you can you can punch a ghost if you try real hard. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta believe in yourself. Let's call it slam. There we go. 
we had our errata recording yesterday. Look, <laughs> Slam was a better name than what it was originally called, <laughs> which everyone hated on. It was. I like it. I think Slam worked. It works. It works. I... One thing I absolutely love is that your, you know, turn face is sort of the tutorial scenario. You pull the acrylic out of the box. You're like, oh, this is the backside <laughs> of the acrylic. You turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> this is still the backside of the acrylic. <laughs> Wait. We've, we've played that scenario, I've played that scenario four different times, and every single time, someone new picks it up and turns it around. Every time. <laughs> I was the person the first time, I'll admit that. I've done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I want to call out as one of your guys' greatest strengths is doesn't matter if it's Vagrant Song or Bayou Bash or Malifaux, you guys really blend art and mechanics into a great creepy theme. What creepy element is in Bayou Bash? <laughs> Ruffles. <laughs> the chicken. It's that's the chicken. Oh, yeah. Ch- okay. Oh, love that chicken. <laughs> Sorry, for Bayou Bash, I meant more the silliness of it all, and it works really well there, too. But all the games you've worked on, that rules-art-theme combination really comes through and makes everything work, and I really think you guys are the best at it compared to any other game. I, I, I mean, I thank you, but... Comes... <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I think that entirely comes from just how me and Kyle design things. As I said, we try to picture them in the moment, because then we get, like, cool visuals and then backtrace to how does this mechanically work. Um, but I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, that, um, that's way too kind, and there are way better designers out there, but I do appreciate it. Shut up! Uh, we, um, yeah, like Matt just said, um, I always consider myself a theme-first designer, but that even that definition is starting to change a little bit. Um, there's a designer that I look up to named Jeff Engelstein, who describes it more as a an, uh, an experience-first designer, and that's kind of a broad-picture sort of approach to it, where the mechanics, the theme, and the overall feel of the entire game, what you want to convey with the experience is kind of the approach that I've been taking. Vagrant Song was, was more of a theme and story first, but then trying to figure out how, you know, the Lady in White functioned and digging in further beyond that. Lady in White's a good example of finding how yeah. that fight functioned for yeah, the Yeah, just game from, too. like, a little bit of... So Mako Joe was the, the first fight we designed, um, but the Lady in White scenario, once that was designed, um, and I think we were about six or seven in at that point, that's when we knew what we needed to do in order to make this game feel good. That's where we, I mean, it sounds so obvious now, but like, that was the light bulb of escalation. And if you haven't fought the Lady in White fight, the longer you take, the harder things get in that fight. And you'll see that sort of experience transfer into other scenarios from there on. That felt really important to us. A lot of, I don't want to say a lot of boss battles, because despite there being more in the past few years than uh, recently, there still isn't a lot of them. Escalation isn't really a core part of a good chunk of those, but it was really important to us because that helped, um, like Eli was talking about, the the cinematic feel. That helped push that quite a bit for us, is creating these these stairs of difficulty as the scenario moved on. Also, just in terms of escalation, it helps the pacing of the fight so you never feel like you're just kind of stuck in a moment. Hmm. Like, the end of each scenario on Vagrant Song 
can sometimes feel like, okay, we just kind of need to finish, which I will accept that that, that kind of happens. But over the course of the fight, the idea for almost all of them is to have meaningful changes. So you do have to change up your, your playstyle as things kind of happen and, and hit different story beats and different moments. And like even that first moment in the turn phases where they turn around and fight you changes up, okay, now they're suddenly in my face, I need to do something a little bit different. That was really important to us going on, and, and we kind of learned that when we designed the Lady in White, and we kind of went back and redid some of our older scenarios. Art style! Actually, you already, you already kind of explained this to Rob. Yeah, uh, transition. <laughs> Doug is a master of transitions. It's like, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a pause, let's, let's move on or something. That's usually how this goes. Yeah, no, shout out to Game Store Dropouts. I already had this discussion about the rubber hose art style, or uh, I always refer to it as the Fleischer Brothers sure. art style. Yeah, um, I, I think more broadly it is rubber hose, but I think Fleischer kind of was, you know, the the starting point, or if not the starting point, the the person who made it really popular. The, the big name yeah. in rubber hose. They're very impactful yeah. in that space. Yeah. And it's very evocative and just works so well for Vagrant uh-huh. Song. So you you want to give your your spiel on how that came about? How originally Vagrant Song changed over and suddenly yep. just clicked. I guess I'm just Yeah, already. that's exactly right. Uh, so, <laughs> when we were originally working on Vagrant Song, the rubber hose style was not on the radar, even in the slightest. Originally, I wanted wood carving. I thought that that was a little bit mm-hmm. more fitting. We have hobo coins in the game. They, they're carved and that sort of thing. The code, if you're not familiar with the hobo code, that's uh, their symbols uh Carved by you know travelers uh, to let people know about certain areas being safe. So wood carving made a lot of sense to us, and you know we went through we went through it, uh, tried to get some character concepts done in the style, and you know it was fine, it was good, but it didn't excite us in the in the way that we wanted. Like you don't read a book by its cover, but the cover's pretty important, you know. Mm-hmm. So we went through a few other styles. Um, in between, and then it was like a Wednesday at like 5.30, and Matt had a crazy idea, what if we do rubber hose? And it was just, again, like uh, like the escalation thing, it was like, well, no, duh, why didn't we, like, why didn't we start at this from the start? This is so obvious now. It, it was a very yeah, oh-duh yeah. moment. Uh, <laughs> just like, we, I brought it up. And I was like, God, that's a good idea, because we're struggling to make the like, right. art work here. And here, and here we have yeah, this game that's taking place in the 1930s. We have, we're focusing so heavily on uh, American folklore. You know, that style is American. Yeah, let's go with it, and let's uh, avoid all the horrible tropes along the way, and, and do... <laughs> yes, um, thank you! It was really important to <laughs> and us. And, like, if, um, I, if I didn't know better, like, I honestly would have assumed that this game had come from like art style backwards. Sure. Like if I if I didn't know this, I would have I would have assumed you started with the art style and then worked your way back to nope. what the game is, which is just it, it's just it goes into how well that that works for what the game is and the setting. And then yeah, we got uh we were well into the development of the art style and then Townsfolk Tussle got announced and <laughs> Uh, those, uh, if you're not familiar, Townsfolk Tussle is another boss battler with uh, Rubber Hose art style. So <laughs> that uh, was a soul-crushing moment. Mm. It was a right. bad day. Um, 
<laughs> I overreacted. <laughs> I, oh, I thought it was no. I thought it was the death knell of Vagrant Song, and luckily I have great people around me at Weird, and we figured out that no, you know what? Like even though they're doing a similar thing, it's still very different, and the game is very different. I love Townsfolk Tussle. I've got it on my shelf back here, but it is more reminiscent to Kingdom Death. But you play you play Vagrant Song, and you might be able to see notes of Kingdom Death in there, but it is fundamentally a very different game. And the art style is also very different. We went with a more muted horror approach. They went with what I would describe it as more like blood zany, like it's bloody, but it's also lively, like. Yeah, Absurd. but I mean, they embraced it, right? And they went fully into it, and it, it's great. Yeah. We went with a much more subdued, creepy vibe. So yeah, rather than pivoting back to wood carving, we were, we went and said, nope, we we're happy with what this is. We're gonna we're gonna see comparisons, and that's okay. I think both games can be on a game shelf comfortably. I mean, look at how many how many fantasy games are there that these like that has a painterly look to it. You know that that. I can see the breaststrokes there, and that's that's fine, you know. As long as the games are different, and as long as the games are still fun, whatever. I will say the just us not doing goblins and fighters and that kind of stuff in our boss battler, uh, that is enough to put it in a a place where the theme is is clearly different, and it'll stick on its shelf. And the the art style just being something that at the time we were originally working on it was not seen in, in board games and now i've seen other people kind of more embracing that in the last year or two but it it was just kind of a perfect fit in my opinion speaking of perfect fit i really want to give you guys mad props for the fact that you can open this game up and immediately see you don't need to get something from broken token or <laughs> any of those other aftermarket inserts because everything just fits yeah and you still have just enough room where you can kind of organize the cards or skill cards or etc that you're actively using for each of your characters away from the rest of the cards and whatnot for easy tracking amazing it's a nice touch that not many games do yeah i will say i don't use baggies to keep track of everyone's stuff sure save a little bit of time yeah but everyone, I'm pretty sure everyone has Ziplocs, so... So not... I, I, I think our, our insert is really, really great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, in only in theme of transparency, I really like 3D printing things, so one of the first things I did was like, I'm going to 3D print an insert, because why not? Nice. And I, I finished it, and I went and showed Kyle and, and our graphic designer, and he was like, it has an insert that works really well. Why? And my response was like, I don't know. I wanted to, but it and it 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 literally doesn't make the box any better. Nice. Yes. It just makes it two pounds heavier. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just want that weight. It's like my full set of metal coins I got for Red Dragon Inn. I just want that weight. I just want to be able to drop it on the table and impress people. <laughs> so while developing the game, we knew that we didn't want to do like a, a giant four hundred dollar box. Um, mm. Why not? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Controversial opinion, good design choice. <laughs> real ghosts in that box. You know, if, if we had done minis in the game, for example, the I mean, it's a seventy-five dollar game right now. We're probably looking at one hundred and fifty at that point, uh, at least. But, honestly, uh, right? I mean, um, you're looking at uh, nearly thirty characters, and they're all unique characters. But even beyond that, a lot of the 
Uh, we'll get you in, Doug. Let me <laughs> see if raising his hand. Um, a lot of the designs of the component choices that we did, we wanted to make sure that we were reutilizing as much as we had in the game. And if a component didn't have two reasons in the box, we needed to have a really strong reason to include it. So repurposing aspects of the game was really important to us because we didn't want the box to be, you know, 20 inches tall. I do think it's interesting coming at, like, box design and that kind of stuff because it's not necessarily, like, our area of expertise as game designers, but in terms of when you're going to a store and buying a... being like, I'm going to pick up a dungeon crawler, seeing Vagrant Song is a weird thing because you see the box and you wouldn't immediately think that Uh because it is much smaller because we took... A lot of our our effort really early on and and throughout the process was like how can like how said how can we reutilize this and and what are the what are the components that we really don't need that we can actually cut and and that kind of stuff and it makes for a very slim box which doesn't necessarily immediately scream dungeon crawler even though there's a bunch of stuff in the box most dungeon crawlers are like it takes up an entire calyx shelf by itself. I love that you just use calyx shelf as a unit of measurement for board games. That's fantastic. Calyx is a proper adjective for board game shelves, by the way. <laughs> what were you going to say, Doug? Game comes with acrylic standees as opposed to miniatures, because miniatures are 3D and acrylic standees are 2D, kind of like the art style is based off of 2D cartoons. Why did this Maybe become an of? ASMR podcast? <laughs> it always was. D- Doug just whispering in our ears about facts. I do I do that on occasion, but yeah, I, I was true. actually had out on there about how insanely language, how insanely fucking efficient this box is. Holy <laughs> shit! Everything in there does two, three, four different things. Yep. And if you don't know that is a campaign game, you have no freaking idea from the size of the box. But it's it's not simple. It's so beefy because you just like the the scenario book. The scenario book does so much of the work and it saves so much of the space. It's so smart. It's I also it. just incredibly like automated how well it just you just follow the steps and it will tell you everything you need to do. Like especially like the boss turns. You, it's just how mm-hmm. you use the same rummage tokens for the boss turns and it just it, it explains to you what you're doing. And everything that you don't understand the beginning of the scenario, you're going to understand by the end of it because it's going to tell you. Or you'll be dead. <laughs> or you'll be dead. <laughs> or you'll be that, dead. That's a way to end the scenario. We call it Westbound. Oh, here. right, right, right. Yeah. I wanted to jump on with what Eli was saying about the the game just running itself. Basically, it's such a breath of fresh air on the simplicity and straightforwardness of the rules. Again, compared to some other campaign games, to the point where. <laughs> There were some some rules we were reading that we realized after the fact we were overthinking, like, mm. how many coins do you get at the end of a scenario? And a couple times we had to just take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of interesting, because we come, our community, like, a, a lot of them are Malifaux players, and if you uh, don't know a lot about Malifaux players, they overthink <laughs> a lot of things. It's a very, Gasp. very complicated game. And so when you're like, here's our cool boss battler that's, like, really simple and pretty intuitive if you just follow along. And then they're like, it becomes a lot of real specific questions. Then I'm like, this wouldn't come from someone that isn't 
real deep into the this kind of space because if if I just go hand it to my uh, my partner and, and and she starts to play she's like oh I get this immediately and then you hand it to a Malifaux player they're like ah but how many coins do I have at the end and it's, it's just very funny to see different players and how they approach it I mean it. that uh, makes sense it's it's not like Malifaux we're disparaging Malifaux players Malifaux is a hyper competitive game where you have to know exactly how things work because that could mean a failure in a tournament that that could be extremely upsetting to to a competitive player. Um, this is a different thing. This is this is a cooperative game. Ultimately, if you don't understand a rule, go with what feels right and move on. Because the experience is the most important part about a cooperative game. It's yep. playing and the fun part. You know. If you mess up, we're not going to come to your house and beat you up. Right. You'll just oh. you and your friends be like, oh no, we messed up. But- Moving along. What if I want you to? <laughs> How many text this number to receive a beatdown? Sorry, I'm not going to go to your house. And We're bust learning you up. some stuff about you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many coins are you going to bust me with? Two coins. Excellent. I have to put one and move. <laughs> Understandable. Now I'm just wondering how many people get beat up after they lose a game of Malifaux, and they're just not expecting you guys to show up and start <laughs> just wailing on them. We don't beat <laughs> them up then. Then they have an opponent to beat uh, them up for doing something wrong. You know, I'm going to be honest. One one coin to move from Georgia to Illinois, that's pretty efficient. My move number is very high. <laughs> that is very high. <laughs> my, my character profile card thing, it just has a car on it. <laughs> Bust about you though, that's a six. It's real bad. That's why he's not in the game though, because how do you get a car on a train? Yeah, hard to move through a train in a car. Yes. <laughs> I do look very similar to the songs. <laughs> I mean, half the, I most of this po- most of this podcast right now looks like the songsmith. <laughs> I think most of this podcast is also redheads. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, it's a fucking ingenious. <laughs> okay. Rants. Rants time. Sort of rants? Maybe. Uh-oh. I don't know. We'll go back to the art. I kind of want to say crap about the art. Okay. One thing. Yes. Townsfolk Tussle came out. I didn't know it existed. I apologize. But here's the thing. I only knew of two other instances in the past decade where the rubber hose art style war- was used. So I feel like it's relatively still untapped In tabletop market. specifically? Or... Um, uh, well, technically in tabletop, because it's now a board game, but that was uh-huh. Cuphead and Benny and the Ink Machine. Oh, sure, yeah. But both of those things kind of prove that it is an appealing art style, and you can do horror with it. Odd side note, I watched the first episode of the Cuphead show today. <laughs> Came out on oh, Netflix. nice. How, oh, how that did that? come out today, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. How is that? Because it's pretty it's... fun. I only watched the first okay. episode, and then I was like, I'll maybe watch more, but... That was an odd nice. tangent, so I'm sorry I cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Because my my odd worry is the trailer's music was very disappointing, considering the game's music. So I wasn't sure how that panned out. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think this will be very specific to the kind of individual, so I can't like necessarily recommend okay. it to anyone. Uh, but oh, I fine. had fun watching the. It was like 14 minutes long. It was not long. Uh, you know, like, th- 14 minutes is a pretty standard yeah, size proper for cartoon for short length. Yeah, old school I'm cartoons. I'm used to usually 55 minute, like, yeah, streaming epics. ridiculousness. Other things. Oh, goodness, memory. Save save me. Okay, the faded, the, the muted art style. Yes, pers- like, a choice to make it more 
spooky-esque. But I also just kind of read that as that it's an old art style and this is sort of like faded reels where the, the color has kind of died off over the years. So that was my interpretation. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the way we were going into it. And it's not like we saw Townsfolk Tussle's brightness and we're like, okay, let's bring it down. It was always the case with our art style. It was always this like muted tans and browns and like a splash of the haint blue or red or something mm-hmm. along those lines. That was always the direction we went in. It was just, they were going in one direction and we, at one point we crossed paths at the rubber hose note and we just kept going in different directions, you know? Yeah. Like, like if anyone is like complaining that you guys somehow copied Townfolk Tesla, I'll slap them. <laughs> <laughs> Those people don't also Bust. don't know You're how long it takes to make games. <laughs> Tell me who you are and where you live. Well, no. <laughs> I well, no, I just have to find them. Well, slapping is probably a bit of busting up, maybe. Uh, mm. Ghost fluff. Ghost fluff. Ghost fluff. Ghost fluff. Ghost fluff. Before we do that, I don't think it's in here, but thank you again. You do the same thing with Malifaux, and I just, I guess, weird in general, but it, you get very small history lessons along with the game cuz these are a good portion of these are actual ghost stories and this game takes place in uh, the depression era where like vagrants hobos were a thing and you just i feel like you don't see that sort of stuff nowadays me being old like 34 years old back in the 90s the depression was things people still talked about that was still like relatively fresh and interesting in, in 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 history of just casual conversation. It's felt like it's died off. The same with like the turn of the century stuff you get with Malifaux. Um I don't want to say it's like untapped, but it feels great to like learn things about what are you laughing about? <laughs> Eli sent a sent a thing in the group chat. Ah, okay. Now I gotta go back and look at that. Oh, it's a car. Okay, thanks. I, I I posted in our Thank you. our podcast thing uh, a rubber hostile car. <laughs> Is it just Matt.jpg. Okay, did you like superimpose Matt's head on it or anything? No. <laughs> we can I'm do not that. that creative. That's a nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we got a guy for that. He's in England, but um yeah, no, I, I appreciate I, I'm always kind of a fan of history and learning about the past. And I'm also a fan of bringing up historical things that people don't seem to care about or just kind of fell by the wayside as far as interesting goes. And for what it's worth, my great-grandfather was a vagrant. I have, my mother has his diary, and I've read it twice, I think. So interesting concept. And it was something that was just so different from the time, the fact that people actually might travel and not settle down and aren't beholden to the capitalism as much uh doing this willingly as opposed to just because they've lost their job it, it it's it's very interesting to me so thank you guys for for that yeah and um, i mean these days it's it's really easy to go the disrespectful route um because you know the homeless are very are looked at very differently than you know the hobo lifestyle was in the 20s and 30s um so yeah right from the get go um while I don't have any relatives or anything that I'm aware of, I'm a big Jack Kerouac, like, a obsession. Like, I love On the Road. I love Dharma Bums. I was reading Dharma Bums when I pitched this. And, yeah, it's just, you have to, you have to do it right. And uh, we didn't go into heavy detail about it, about these lifestyles, but you can see a lot of layers of things that we did the research on. Like the coins, for example, is a, is a very surface level part of it and that sort of thing. Uh, one of the scenarios references the code. Uh, you you see a symbol carved in, 
so on and so forth. So, yeah, it was important for us to 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 be respectful and uh, to not have to make any jokes ab- about that. Um, oh, it's, it's it's awesome. At least I haven't found anything I have problems with. That's that's hair. Hate lore, ghost yeah, lore, lots of it. Yeah, the thing Kyle is so excited about. Uh, we'll go and just put like the spoiler tag on the front of this. Skip to where? Just <laughs> plug your ears. We'll edit we'll a time stamp in or later. Something maybe we'll try. But uh, yeah, let's just go over whatever we want to talk about as far as uh, the ghost lore, because obviously this is just a just a a dump of. <laughs> Americana, full tale ghost stuff. Um, some of it I was aware of, some of it I required looking up, some of it I didn't get a chance to look up, but yeah, I know you mentioned Mako Joe yep. and the Mako Lights being a North Carolina ghost, DC being from wa- Washington, wa- Washington, DC, and he's named DC. Demon Cat. But also right. Demon Cat. Demon Cat. Which, once I read that, I felt very dumb that I didn't yep. realize that's what yep. it stood for. <laughs> yeah, uh, I felt the same. <laughs> That too, you know, it's Damn, district of yeah. Columbia, whatever. Look, it's up for interpretation um, of however you think it should be. DC. Unless, you're <laughs> unless it's not Demon Cat, which you might be wrong. Uh, Bookbinder was a yep, old grave book digger. Is the 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 reference old there? Uh, he was a grave digger. Mm-hmm. Um, that willow tree is, uh, as far as I know, still yep. there, um, which is kind of cool. That's another cool fight. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was inspired by a real ghost, the Bell Witch. Obviously, is a really popular uh, poltergeist. I think if we're going to get in, uh, into hmm. specific, uh, specifics uh-huh. there, Lady in White's probably the most common generic right. yeah, that ghost one. I've ever heard of. Yeah. Like, well, like, there's, like, there's I'm, not, always... I'm not blaming you for like yeah. creating, but like it's you would expect it to be. In yeah, this. you'd almost mm-hmm. have to yeah. have one. There's always a Lady in White. Or yeah, gray the, or... and um, sometimes you do have to embrace those tropes, like you said, um, and that's okay. We made that character her a very different story without getting into details on that one. Um, like Matt said, uh, that's one of the best stories in there, um, in my opinion. Um, the Lady of Limestone is a ghost uh, based off of uh, Black Aggie, is the, the tomb. Ooh, I'm going to Google that, because I couldn't find that one. Yeah, um, apparently there was this gravesite that was um, haunted. People used to sit on this statue and hear her speak and that sort of thing. So the lady in, and it was also combined with, uh, the story of, I want to say it was around the Salem area, but right now I, I, I could be wrong. Um, there's a story of a woman who was buried alive, who was, uh, supposedly a witch and they buried her under limestone. And there were five large limestone slabs that she was buried under to keep her from coming back up because they used to think that about vampires. If you've ever seen those grave sites with the metallic cages and that sort of thing, same kind of thing. So we, we some of these stories are kind of pooled into from multiple <laughs> things uh, at once. Um, so that was the Lady in Limestone. Was, sorry, completely, I'm not like calling you out here or anything, but I was, I thought that the, the metal cages or the stone slabs over grave sites became sort of a folklorist thing of like, oh, people are afraid of vampires, but I want to say the original reason was to stop grave robbers from taking That could the very well be true. It's just, you know, when it comes to folklore and stories, it, it, it doesn't ultimately matter yeah. what the truth is, it matters what the people are telling yes. each other, you know, and that sort of thing. 
I just sure. want to feel smart. <laughs> you, so sorry, right. you, know. <laughs> you probably are right. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of opportunities for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Eli. That for signature me feeling of Doug's superiority. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of characters that are pulled from American history and stories and that sort of thing. So, I, I I'll mention one thing because uh, I, I think it's really interesting about a lot of the theme behind Vagrant Song. Vagrant has a lot of um, music inspiration behind yeah. it, too, that is not as obvious as the, like, ghosts and hobo and that kind of stuff. That if you kind of look around and stuff, you'll find a lot of, like, various music references from different eras and that kind of stuff that have to do with this idea or just kind of fun names and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's really important to think about the 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 game because I know for a while we had talked about how music flows on the uh, on a, like a sheet music and how how to implement that in the game and I don't I don't think we end up going in that direction but it was really important to us when designing. Oh my god! I just realized that the the freaking board looks like uh, <laughs> music. Yeah. Oh my god! How did I not <laughs> notice that till now? But yeah, you'll notice. I'm a bit of a music snob, um, and you'll notice a lot of music references, uh, names of abilities, names of scenarios, but I, I reference everything from old folk music to heavy metal, you know, there's, there's all sorts of weird things in there. Um, I think there's an Eddie Money reference in there uh, snuck in, um, so... <laughs> My favorite reference is uh, a meatloaf reference. Yeah, uh, I think that's the way, but I really like the meatloaf reference. <laughs> yep, I think we just did that one. Yep, as soon as we saw the reference, we had to put on "Bad Out of Hell." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Victoria doesn't want to bring it up, but you actually had an answer for this, so uh, I'm still going to go ahead and, and just arise it. And this comes from a place of. I'm not judging you or saying this was in, done intentionally, but the, let's talk about the Wendigo. Sure. And, um, like, this is a fairly current thing, so it might not even be noticed by you guys back when you were developing the game, but currently, as it stands, a good portion of people on, like, social media that are of native heritage are telling uh, people to generally just not use the Wendigo for their own, uh, like, IP or profit, for for that matter. And my initial understanding is that this is mostly, like, Americana, I won't say white people folklore, but the Wendigo has become so, like, synonymous, or, like, well-known that it's probably bled over into Appalachian folklore. Or at least that's how I sort of excused it. But uh, I just kind of want to hear your take on it, what, what you have to say. You hit a good chunk of it on the head right there. I mean, w- while developing, it, it wasn't as concerning as or eye-opening until later, um, I'll admit that. But as we were developing it, we were doing as much research as we could to still be respectful to the content. Wendigos are treated as evil, and that story in the game is more inspired by events like Avalanche, I want to say of 1912, uh, that crushed a train, and then com- uh, combined with the Donner Party. So... In that instance, once we had that story established and that was going to be the chapter that it was based around of, we knew that starvation and desperate measures were a real part of it. And it just made sense to touch on this aspect of now American folklore, you know, that that story did travel to pioneers and that sort of thing. It was a fear that a lot of people had. So we we tried to look at that story and, and treat it as respectfully as possible. It 
could we have done better? Um, I mean, in hindsight, yeah. I mean, there's always something that we could do a little bit better, and that that goes across like every design ever. Mm. But there was no disrespect intended when we were developing it. It was, to me, always a part of Americana. You know, I I, I grew up with those sorts of stories um, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. As 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 far as I'm reading you here, it's a case of like. When you developed it, you tried to be as respectful as possible, and if someone came up to you that from the Native American community that said, hey, could you not do this again, I'm sure you, you would. Right. With the knowledge you have now. So, I mean, that's, that's all we need to do is we just need to learn from things if we ever considered making a mistake that we didn't realize we made. So, yeah, me here forgiving you, another bearded white dude. <laughs> uh, a lot of clout, but thank you for explaining that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, anything else that we want to talk about uh, the Haint Fluff? What's everyone's favorite? Mine changes every time. Mm. For me, it's... Oh. <laughs> so far, for me, it's it's between the Tommyknocker and the Blackbird. Of, of the ones I've seen, I'd probably gotta go with the Bell Witch, just because the way that particular battle goes kind of turns things on its head in a way that I wasn't expecting, and we kind of got a bit stubborn about things. <laughs> Did you mess up? We messed up a little bit. Um, we m- Mistakes were made, <laughs> and uh, we realized it later. That seems to be the case for everyone with the Bell Witch. Is this, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Is this the situation you guys had with the dog and taking double damage, or...? No, no, this wasn't a rules mistake. This ah. was a the scenario kind of flips things on its head, and then you, like, you realize you're being stubborn about something, and you're like, Oh, oh, that wasn't good. I made him. I did a bad, <laughs> I did a thing. bad thing. I'm the villain, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to overtread it uh, too much, but the Tommyknocker, for example, is uh, an Irish ghost story or folklore, really, uh, that got. Yeah, uh, it, it became a part of American culture as well because miners from Ireland came over and started telling those stories to, you know, non-Irish, and then suddenly that, that story ends up bleeding into, you know, the towns and the nearby areas. And that's kind of how, like, a lot of American culture ends up working out, is that, you know, we are this melting pot, we are coming from so many different perspectives, and a, a lot of these stories end up bleeding together a little bit. I was going to say it's as much Welsh as it is Irish. I should not be trying to correct you on this. Um, and you might be right, yeah. But no, uh, in, like, in, that, in the greater I- those islands... Yeah, uh, no, I... Uh, especially like Wales has had a lot of coal mining culture. Yeah. Whatever you call it. Don't don't quote me on that, but I believe that was the case. But like the Tommyknocker is an aspect of a very common sort of fictional creature, like the leprechaun or brownies, goblins, fairies, and in the future, eventually the the, the gremlin. The word the origin of the the word gremlin, where uh, little little gray dudes are messing with airplanes, that sort of thing. Like the the, the small trickster. But the one thing I noticed about reading up on the Tommyknocker is that people aren't entirely sure if he was beneficial or if he was a troublemaker, and that kind of reflects itself in the scenario, that you're not entirely sure what his intentions are. Right. Uh-huh. Also, he's cute. That, that yeah. was totally on purpose, because, yeah, <laughs> yes. some people describe, or those stories back in the day described the Tommyknocker as a good sign, hearing the knocks on the walls, um, and other people described it as, you know, an omen, and that sort of thing, so... A little bit of both in in that scenario. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, is there any origins behind the Hantipus? 
Um, I don't think that exists within Vagrant Song. I'm sure there are origins behind the Man of Many Limbs uh, that Kyle can tell you about that I can't. Uh, so the Man of Many Limbs is an original concept. Uh, it is my take on uh, Frankenstein's monster. Oh. Where instead of this automatic or this thing that someone built, it is the the train's creation in that it drove over the this graveyard and amalgamated one giant horrible thing. So yeah, that's the hand. <laughs> it's creepy as hell. Half of my players liked it. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> so many hands. In terms of to answer favorite hands, yes. I really like the thirteenth. Oh, he's a dapper gentleman, isn't he? And everyone knows who he is, right? As far as lore goes, yes, Jersey Devil. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious, but just in case that that story is woman last name leads had thirteen kids. Their thirteenth ended up being this winged goat monster, and uh, we took a slightly different spin. And instead, he dances with you. Hey, yeah, I I, I do enjoy the dance battle that happens in the middle of the train. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Bring the song for that one. <laughs> who, who hasn't stated their favorite yet? Me. Neither, neither of us, actually. Yeah. But go ahead. Like as far as scenarios go, as far as we've played anyway, I really enjoyed the Tommy Knocker. Just as like, it is really cool being like, are you messing with us or is this something <laughs> else? You stealing your stuff. But like, as far as you can help someone and steal from them. As far as, like, really cool design, um, I both love and hate the Flayed Man. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed mm. to like the yeah, Flayed Man. Yeah, it's like there. some sort of <laughs> fucked up Kirby. Unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> some kind uh, of fucked up Kirby. It's a weirdly okay. accurate way to describe it. I mean, he balloons up, so... Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I do really like the just the story for the Flayed Man uh, as a whole, so without going into spoiler territory yeah. of what that is. But. Okay, uh, strictly on an aesthetic, uh, I haven't mentioned mine, and yeah. I think this is the... F- just reading the scenario and understanding how the character works and looking at the art, actually my favorite might be The Visitor. I was going to bring... That was going to be my uh, favorite this because time Because that yeah. is instantly like, oh, th- this is horrifying! <laughs> <laughs> You can. He doesn't. He doesn't even technically exist on the board until you create some light. That's that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, uh, and that is not uh, strictly speaking like an American ghost or anything. It's inspired by uh, sleep paralysis. Oh, thank you. I needed that. Yeah, so I enjoy that. that. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that, that's, that's awful. Sleep paralysis demon in game. He he gives out paralyzed. So that's. <laughs> That sounds like a nightmare. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Literally. It's bad. It's Ugh. bad. Okay. Uh, we learned anything about paralyzed from Alpha. It's real bad. <laughs> I, have, I have experienced sleep paralysis one time, and it was one of the scariest experiences of my life. It is not cool. I had it very common when I was growing up in high school. If I would ever fall asleep during class, I would usually have sleep paralysis, and it was very not fun. So it was weird. weird to describe that feeling. Okay, we, we've got a few more things here and only like an hour more of your good gentleman's time, so let's move along. Um, incremental difficulty by player number. Uh, this is something I want to bring up. It might not be like discussed with you guys, but more informative to the person listening. The game plays different depending if you have two players or four players. 
you have to be a lot cagier if you have four players, because if you end your turn next to the Haint and they don't have anything else they're currently targeting, you're going to get fucked up. <laughs> and we learned that the hard way because Mako Joe Rick rocked my shit. I think on like like one hate action, he took me yeah. from top two wounded on the the revivalist who has the most wounds in the game or health uh, humanity in the game. Jeez, different games. Um, that was that was freaking brutal. But, A lot of that is by design. Yeah. Starting off, we knew we wanted to make a, a a boss battler that was playable at two to two players, three players, and four players. Um, and ultimately, we were okay with those experiences being different as long as they all felt good. Um, so, in other dungeon crawlers, I keep going back to that, but we we were trying to solve problems ultimately with Vagrant Song with uh, the genres that we were uh, largely inspired by. In other boss battlers, you're generally playing four characters if you're soloing or something like that and there's it's always like okay four characters are going to go at once then uh the boss is going to go and it uh, it doesn't really mix things up based on player count because it always only cares about four characters existing we wanted to go with a very different system so that's why it's i go they go i go or you go they go that sort of thing uh alternate uh turns um and when you have four players you have a lot more people that are willing to strategize with one another, so you can take the time to think a little bit more clearly about what's best for the group. And it's okay for things to get hairier in a four-player game because you've got three people that are willing to help you. And in a two-player game, if one person's getting smacked, it becomes a very different situation. So all of that, some of it came organically as we were designing the game, but some of it was uh, was very much intentional. Yeah, I was going to mention it, but then you went ahead and just told the people what you intend, what the intention was, and then like, you're trading. You're- I, I I I will just say, like, especially later on when we were designing certain things, it always was a question of how does this work with different player counts and making sure that it it works as at least fun and not awkward. So it is something that uh, after a while mm-hmm. became very important to every everything we did. So. To, to succinctly put, at least as far as I understand how Kyle mentioned it, is that you are trading some character-by-character character suffrage, in the case of a four-player game, for the benefit of having more brains at the table and more tools in the fact that you have different uh, characters, more, more characters with different tool sets, uh, which I feel is very smart. And a whole lot more health. Way more health. <laughs> Benefits from, uh, from a Game Master. This is 100% for me, and I felt like, I don't know if this is intentional or if this is how people just sort of fell into playing the game, but having a person that controls the campaign book and does the reading, does sort of the understanding of how the hate works, does kind of the hate movement, and I realize that the player who ends their turn draws from the bindle and the hate performs that action, but uh, we found out that in the games I had played, I... Me, who's kind of a forever GM, was and ended up running things, and it went. I feel like a lot smoother because you always have someone that kind of has the book in front of them that can also just, as a GM, you don't want to meta game too much, but you can kind of hit players in the right direction of like, oh, 
uh, we don't have any apples across the table, and if we draw an apple, bad things are going to super happen, so maybe we might want to start rummaging a bit for those. Th- that sort of thing. And if you really, really need to, the the forever controversy of a GM, you might fudge the hate actions a little bit if everyone's having a really bad time. Um, not saying you should do that, but I'm saying that can be an option, especially if you have someone that's kind of running the show. And I don't know if that was ever a consideration for you guys, or if it's just a happy accident, but I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, looking at, so you could uh, kind of look at one player and at five player at the same way, where technically we label it as a two to four player game, but you can solo it. It's just that you have to make some compromises. The same goes for the a GM approach. Um, you can play with a fifth player if you want, and it could it could work out really well for your group. But it's not needed either. That facet was really important to us. For one, as much as I personally enjoy one versus many games, I know that that is an immediate roadblock for others. So creating a system where you didn't need a GM was just as important to us as making sure. There was room in that space if we wanted, if, if a player wanted to do that and run the the boss and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're we're pretty happy with the system that we uh, came up with. Um, anything to add to that, Matt? No, I think you you covered it for the most part. Uh, I know we didn't think about it all that often when designing. Like it would occasionally come up of of someone doing it because we would run tests and stuff we would always play between two and four players. And so it wasn't something that we were in- inherently designing for, but it did. Uh, it does come from the idea of we didn't want it to be required, so everything is is kind of upfront to the players, and anything that is hidden, for example, in like the book itself is on a different page. You physically have to move the page to see the hidden stuff just so you can kind of have the best experience possible. And coming out of that, if players are having a hard time uh, sort of figuring out all the information, because there's a lot being thrown at you with every every individual scenario, because so much changes, that like some groups just find it better to have one person kind of carry the burden of that, and everyone else kind of carrying the burden of their own players. Um, and so it's really up to the, the group as a whole. I think it's it's awesome that people are playing it that way and, and finding ways to have more people at the table, because... Yeah, my game group having the correct number of players is always a problem <laughs> for any, literally any game. So yep. yeah, I I, yep. I, was, I I also still play. I'm not I'm not just strictly GMing myself, but as someone who's done that sort of role, lots of times I can both separate my player knowledge with the GM knowledge and know that if anything, I accidentally glance on the invent page should not be discussed or played upon. It, it's a learned skill. Um, it's just something we found we also like. But also, uh, here's here's a thing, I guess, for everyone, maybe even including Kyle and Matt. Do you have one specific person read the story to the rest of the table? And is that person just the one who does the best, like, Deep South accent? <laughs> Me. Me. <laughs> I do my best to channel Old Gods of Appalachia when I'm, when I'm reading. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yes. As the only, like former actor at my table. Yeah, that that falls on me. <laughs> okay, that's news to me, even. Nerd. Uh, I also do that when I play. So, uh, because I generally just group. am willing to get into it and do the silly voice and that kind of stuff, where my partner doesn't necessarily want to do that. I don't have so. a choice. 
when I play the game, everyone just looks at me like, you're going to be the one reading, right? You wrote the stuff. <laughs> I mean, also that, yeah. Say the line, Kyle. Kyle. At, at, at this point, I might have the uh, Hurt and some Hazelhurst uh, stuff in the very first yeah, scenario. It's all up here, yeah. right? Yeah, the Shelter from the Storm, that at, uh, so when we were running at Gen Con, by the <laughs> yeah. end of Gen Con, I didn't need to look at the book anymore, and it was real bad. So here's, I can monologue yeah. for two minutes at the beginning of this demo. Just What we're saying is that we need to figure out who's the best at this, do some recording so people can just, like, have a CD of the different scenarios. <laughs> head up, head up, head up, head up Kevin McCloud for some background music. Ooh. The audio, audio logs that you can... Vagrant song, cl- vagrant mm. song, uh, soundboard. Oh, yeah, we, we could talk. Wait, is that up next on the? It yeah. kind of is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's good at transitions for sure. It's it's Roman. Roman's definitely our segue guy. Not this podcast. Just just real quick question, out of curiosity, my own cu- personal curiosity, uh, for people who are reading for their groups, do you read uh, the DC lines? And am mm. I the only one who yes. just assumed he had a very deep voice? Oh, no, I kind of went the other direction. Um, he has the same voice as the Cheshire Cat. Guildford Godfrey. Oh, okay. Voice. Need- oh, God. Huh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I will keep that in mind for the next time I play Vagrant Song. You know how I always you heard DC? I-, I always heard <laughs> I always heard Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch back in the 90s. Oh, gosh. <laughs> just slightly, just a bit on the sassy yeah, side. Be. It's a cat, after all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, del- deluxe edition. What are what are we seeing in the the, the weird sponsored deluxe edition? Actual ghosts. <laughs> That's the answer. We get that app on yeah. your phone, include it in a box. <laughs> I was gonna say we just buried these boxes in a graveyard. I was gonna say bones made of bone, but like bone two bone. people here bone have bone. those, so yeah, like, they're, they're they're in the box. Bones. You don't have to go out and get them. Yourself oh, on Etsy. All of the terrain actually comes as real terrain, so pools of blood included in the box. <laughs> they just give you a That's knife. two games in the freezer, then, because we <laughs> have oh. snow. Yeah, and the snow. And <laughs> also, it comes with a box of pandemitos, which are delicious. Oh, for the Flayed Man scenario. <laughs> all of the, you get all of the relics as, as the thing they are. <laughs> that would be a oh, collection gosh. of random shit. <laughs> ah. I want a big floppy hat. Yes, please. The junk. <laughs> it's just a ba- it's just a crate of just stuff. <laughs> no rabbits were harmed in the making of this deluxe edition. Yes. Oh, oh, the bindle's gonna be real interesting, isn't it? Uh, there was. Ah, d- we did have a joke in in the office of the stick expansion. There was just a <laughs> stick to put your bindle on. <laughs> How much does it cost? It costs to walk outside your backyard, pick up a stick. <laughs> It's just a list of instructions. It doesn't even come with any get a stick. <laughs> oh, fuck. stick. I'll Ty be Bendel back. to stick. You're welcome. Here's 50 bucks. Uh, uh, let me take this in a serious route. Things I would actually, 50, actually yeah, love. As bucks. we joked about it, the, the Bones Bones would actually be super oh, duper cool. Fuck. I feel like that'd be insanely expensive. I feel expensive, like that would have but... some like, uh, import issues. Yeah. Like, here's some uh, remains in this box. What if the, you can get away with it with, uh, <laughs> uh, was it taxidermy? Taxidermy law? 
Um, anyways, I'm not an expert on that, but I feel like you could get away with it some Mass producing bone uh, dice, you think? <laughs> Look, okay, I've hit a deer or two in my day. There's plenty of bones out there. I, I'm pretty sure... Sh- I'm- I, I haven't done any DNA tests. I'm pretty sure the <laughs> bone dice I have are cow bones. Yeah, like we had a whole ass jaw in our backyard last year. Like, pretty you go sure. Outside, you dig a hole anywhere, you're probably bound to find pre dice just in the ground. Yeah, I think these are. I think these are deer too. You know. Uh, um. <laughs> what? What else? Uh. Actual. Actual coins. <sighs> Wooden coins. Yeah, that was going to be my big thing. Um. In large part because at Gen Con I loved the uh, coin cases you had the the bindle coins in. It just gave the the bindle a nice weight to it, and that's that's the one thing that the regular game just hasn't given me. When I get my own copy, I will probably do the coin cases like you guys had. But How Eli they really likes the the fact that they just fit in the box insert. Yeah, yeah. they fit very nicely. It's so good. Yeah. Yep. No, I like I I stick by the I prefer them to be 2D because that feels more thematic. So no no miniatures uh, for my suggestion. Mm-hmm. I would like to see. I I would 100 buy an expansion pack that's just the just standing <gasps> yeah. yeah. Westbound art because that is beautiful that art. Was... And I don't <laughs> that that was like the one thing I remember when I was demoing it in Gen Con is like oh and if you die boom Westbound and everyone's like oh artwork <laughs> so pretty. Don't please kill me. <laughs> but one of my players has wanted to die, like go westbound this whole time, specifically because the art's <laughs> awesome, and he just he wants to go into like barbarian angry mode, angry ghost mode. It's yeah. swollen. Oh, yeah. um, oh, no wow, doubt. Um, yep. Who's he playing? Uh, Empress, of course. Of course. Why did I even? I should have known this that. Is, this kind of fits under yeah. the complaint category, but it's not that big of a complaint. Um, I would like a bigger bindle bag because my hands are big. Got fat hands. It's it's like trying to get Pringles out of the can sometimes. <laughs> get smaller hands. Well, if you if you cut off that pinky <laughs> for course. the four finger effect, then you're solving two problems at once. <laughs> or Doug just go <laughs> get my, like the the checkerboard pattern handkerchief. It needs to be a stick <laughs> and a stick. Go get your uh, and, and a stick. Uh, yeah. Hell, you can get that on the drive like, home. CDs are old hat, uh, but <laughs> just like uh, a background track, like a background playlist on Spotify to go with it. Ooh, they they have that. It's an oh. of- yeah. Whoops. It I is literally Kyle called, has yeah. a Spotify playlist. Yeah. It is called Songs and he to has Haunt posted him. in our Discord. It's really good, and I play it every Whoops. time. Uh, yeah, so uh, I had attachment issues to Vagrant Song after we were done with it. Um, I couldn't let go, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, so I ended up making a playlist for fun. Uh, so uh, each each song is you know specifically talking about a specific ghost in some way. So. Mm. That's, That's so awesome. Cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I know, but no, it's awesome. I, I think it's amazing. <laughs> insert myself into the meta of this podcast. We'll probably put a link in the description. We can make that happen. Spotify playlist. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, for we this, can do that for this game. Or whoever will do that. I have no authority to say that, but I'm no, going to say it I, anyway. We will make that happen because yeah, it does really, really good, really good job of setting the atmosphere. If you can just put that on in the background while you're playing, like I, I do that, and it's great. Any other ideas for the deluxe edition? Serious or unserious? I'm just a just a bigger box with I like think we've gone lead far weights enough. in it just to give you the the campaign game experience. 
but everything else is the same. <laughs> An actual... Just to make sure people know it's a campaign game. An actual dog. The best boy. So you can have a goodest boy playing at the table with you. An actual life-size haunted train for all the ghosts that came in the box, and s- suddenly the Super Deluxe Haunted Edition is a escape room. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, don't make me want that. <laughs> a real invisible demon that's ch- gonna chase you across seven continents. Like the Curse Bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Are all of the... um? I know the Empress is a reference to a real person. Are all of the characters... Uh, yes and no. Um, some are more, like, tropes or uh, common stories and that sort of thing. Like, the Songsmith isn't directly someone specific, but it is the, the classic story of trying to make it big, uh, hopping on a train to Chicago so I could get heard sort of thing. Um, the Cursed Bear is 100% inspired by It Follows. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie... Um, that's one of my favorite horror movies, um, and mm. you'll see no. a lot of uh, uh, inspirations from the Curse Bear in that one. Uh, the Runaway is just you know another classic, better or worse American story of you know young teen running away from home. So yeah, um, most of them are just kind of pulled from uh, you know stories. Yeah, and tropes. Oh, yeah, stories aren't trips. Um, yeah, no, honestly, I would be really mad at you if you didn't have some sort of music-inspired character in the game. So thank you for that, so I didn't have to yell at you. Favorite <laughs> song. There's no music here. <laughs> More like favorite uh, silence. I mean, we can talk, we can go about the characters a bit. One, uh, the usual, thank you for including a diverse amount of genders and races in the game without it, like, being a part of the mechanics. It's just there. One and two, thank you for pulling the weird trope of uh, women being the ones that really like to stab things. <laughs> Neither of them are stabbing. One of them is yeah. shouting things, uh, proclamations, and <laughs> yeah, the, the sword is just yes. for inspiration. Uh, <laughs> very inspiring. Empress got to carry her sword. <laughs> the it's knife like, is definitely like not for stabbing. No, it's a um, strange blade. It's cursed. There's something strange going on about it. That's. It's for cutting cheese, Victoria. <laughs> if I'm a ghost and I want to restore my humanity, mm, the, the first thing knife. someone should do is remind me the that cheese exists. cheese knife. <laughs> mm, the ultimate peace bringer. I thought you were going to say that all ghosts are secretly uh, lactose intolerant. Well, secrets out. Oh no, my bowels. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, no. that's the worst thing about dying. Okay, <laughs> no but, cheese. Okay, but cheese actually doesn't contain that much lactose. Excellent. You're clearly Jesus not lactose intolerant enough. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be super lactose intolerant. <laughs> no, thank you. You better um... get more lactose intolerant. <laughs> oh no! You gotta I have a sensitivity, the but I am lactose. not like full. No, but um, there there are a lot of cheeses that are very low in lactose, so. I don't know what we were talking about. Scandals, a cheese podcast. We were talking about <laughs> that's the magic of women SBS. being yeah. stabby. How did ones. we get here? We're we're talking the stabby about ones. character diversity. Cheese. <laughs> yes. Oh, and we got some cheese. Look. So why don't we expect you to see the cheese goal and make an appearance? <laughs> you make it very clear what some of the characters' favorite foods are in this game. 
Yeah, there is the Panda uh, <laughs> Muertos. Yep. Uh, the ghost, ghost all of Dizzy Soda. <laughs> there is the Sodi it's Pop. It's a very popular yeah. thing in the train. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love this so much. Who doesn't? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, yep. Expansion. Now, okay. Like, we, we know Bayou Bash is having expansion come out because you guys did, like, a call out for uh, playtesters. Um, obviously, an expansion to a campaign game is a little bit harder to do. And so, regardless of whether or not something is in the works, if you could say that how you would do it, what, what would you do? As far as an expansion, or you think it's just a complete game and it doesn't need any more changes or additions? What I can say is that we're not done with Vagrant Song. Um, yes! I won't say anything else beyond that, Ooh, um, but we should have spicy. a lot of news about it actually coming up pretty soon, uh, actually. So um, stay tuned. Vagrant Song 2, Trains <laughs> in Space. Ooh! <laughs> Uh, Waldo's Weeklies in March might be um, interesting. We'll see. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Doug, you can't go spoiling it like that. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah. So we're we're not done. Yeah, that's all I'll say on that. Okay. Um, Yay! I already t- I already gushed about how insanely efficient the box is. Um, I also just want to like, hey. Thank you for making the whole humanity system incredibly easy to understand. Uh, Almost like, I don't want to say confusingly so, but I think people expect more to be in sort of the health system. Like, gain gain humanity means the complete opposite depending if you are the player or the haint, and you don't have to specify which. Like what we were saying with Malifaux earlier, like... You, you you start overthinking it and then you realize no it's just <laughs> gaining is is good and losing is bad. Um, like, yeah, we're glad it's it, that it, simple. Just don't overthink it. <laughs> we're glad it worked out because that was not an easy system to figure out. I mean, now you look at it and you're like these yeah, these skills time. make a lot of sense and that sort of stuff. But um, I knew from the get go that that's the system we wanted to go with. But actually getting there was more challenging, and from a balancing perspective, mostly because we have a lot of skills that are ambiguous on who they can target, and that makes healers feel very powerful. Like the revivalist can do some work, and you just don't think about that automatically when you're looking at the character. You think about, mm-hmm. um, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the patch up guy. Really, you've you've got some some powerful stuff going on uh, as the revivalist that can uh, remind the haint of their lost humanity. Just going through the rest of the list, uh, when are we getting a DC plush? No comment. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wait until March, folks. <laughs> uh, pray. It's a cute cat with horns. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's very cute. I just met DC him. DC is very, very adorable. To a, I will kill everyone else in this room and then myself. <laughs> that cat has more art in this game than anything <laughs> else. That's, that's actually true. Yeah, there's like 20 different poses of nope. DC in, in that book. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. <laughs> He's a perfect, so perfect cat. Thank you so much for bringing this into our lives. All I'll say uh, is that if you're playing and you really care about DC, bank those coins. Bank them. Bank them coins, baby. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Bank 
<laughs> to me, I still think bank is hilarious as a verb here because you're just giving him money. You don't, you're not <laughs> yeah. pull that money back out. <laughs> yeah, Please. no, that was that. That made me think of that. Made me think of the other thing that was a little like we overthought it, except we didn't because we were like, oh, it's bank. You're you're putting it there, and you can pull it out later. And like three, we I think we pulled out like one coin because that was how we thought it worked. Went back and reread it, and it's like, nope. Doesn't say you can pull him back out again. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> You're just paying him with your extra yeah. money. Yeah. For being Here, kitty cat, super have brave. my money. Pet cat acts like it's a good cat. Good boy. You know, like, if you could talk to a cat and almost... give a cat something, yeah. That is, um, from what I know of DC, that is very <laughs> accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love him so much. DC so has cute. some great comments on the game of just... Like, when he first shows up, it's like, yeah, you're talking to a cat. Just get over it. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't make it weird. Yeah. <laughs> don't make this weird. Yep. <laughs> you're making it weird right now. Looking at you with the dog. I, ha- I have down here, what would they change? I don't really like that. I would have more interaction be- interaction between the pup and DC. Okay, fair. <laughs> that yes. been, okay, that the nice. one thing that needed... Is Doggo and yes! DC. Ah, uh, how about we go around and possibly make like suggestions for people starting off Vagrant Song from what we've learned? Because I'm sure there's a, like small bits of advice we can give to people. Uh, my first one is when you unpackage the game, don't fucking shuffle anything until the game tells you to. <laughs> yep. That's how we went from straight to nope. yep. uh, yeah. Flame yep. Man to Mako Joe without ever making that mm. decision. <laughs> Whew. Oh no! Uh, whoops! I mean, we still oh, managed to win no. that fight, but that was that was tough. Um, the big numbers on those cards didn't didn't clue you in. Shush! Yep. I was drinking. Okay, <laughs> give me some slack. No. Yeah, but like even shuffling the skill cards, like that, that's going to make it a huge pain in order to find and the ritual stuff. cards. <laughs> yep. And following up on that, reading reading how like the equipment. You yeah. only have access to the the level one equipment at first, and then you you get more as the game progresses. Like, <laughs> didn't realize that, and I had to kind of step back a couple things mid game. Like, ah, we <laughs> can't have those yet. <laughs> DC taught us that lesson. Do we have any suggestions for uh, different vagrants or like a vagrant that would probably be good to have in the party? Make sure you're reading the rules right on the uh, the runaway because you should not be taking double yep. damage. <laughs> read read the pup rules. Read them again. Read them a third time. <laughs> Give them to someone else and have them read yeah. them. She is easily the most complex of the characters because inevitably you have to be mm-hmm. once you have to, just dealing with two characters and how does that interact with yeah. haunting, you know, or haint effects. There's so many different mm-hmm. layers to it. So I think. Uh, my group has played like three times, and each time we've realized something was not being done right with the runaway. And it all worked out fine, but it was just like, there's another thing, and I was like, okay, there's a lot going on here with these yeah, two the Runaway these is two the one place where you need one. to turn back on your little more complicated Malifaux brain. But not to that extent. Uh, I, I will <laughs> say, like, um, the runaway <laughs> we knew was the most complicated character, and I was only a little sad because, like, during our playtests and during our demos and stuff, you can kind of guess who's going to play the runaway just by looking at it. Like it's got a cute dog. And rarely is that person, the one that wants the complication behind the runaway. And so it's a, that is something that like is a little awkward, but uh, I think that like, once you understand how the runaway works, it's very easy to grasp in like most of the game. 
Um, it's just the Runaway does have that little extra complication on top of everyone else right away. Ironically, in my group, it's kind of the opposite. It's the person who you want, who really does want to like have that extra complexity. Yeah. But also, he like really likes having an animal companion in basically any game, so it was like a natural yeah. gravitation. <laughs> that was the same with Megan. It's like, oh, you already run druids everywhere it's possible, and some places it's not. Here, run, run the thing where you get two, two characters. <laughs> Worked perfect. I'm gonna answer my own question, because I don't think really anyone really has yet. Um, except for the case of, like, if you don't want complexity, maybe avoid the runaway. Uh, I feel like the most forgiving or for new players vagrant is the revivalist just because of the humanity pool and the fact that they are forgiving in the ability to heal others uh, more so than the rest of the vagrants but that's that's my idea um <clears throat> the boy needs a nap first of all he looks very tired <laughs> right um the advice i would give to a new player uh, playing Vagrant Song is mm-hmm. don't be afraid to lose. Yes, um, Losing is absolutely a part of the game, and it's okay to lose. Um, things happen in the game if you lose. Some things are good if you lose, so don't be afraid of it. Um, it's part of the game. You don't need to experience the Flayed Men again if you've uh, lost against them. You're not going to have to experience the same events and stuff. It is fail forward. The narrative continues if you fail. It changes if you fail. I, I will uh, kind of tag on to that. I wouldn't lose all the time. I wouldn't purposely lose. It's definitely not uh, not a good idea. Um, but also, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. have been like, oh, I got so close to losing. I got beat up. As long as you make it out, you did a good job. You can make it out with three people, nice. with four players, and three of them westbound, and one person yep. has one <laughs> skill left. And guess what? You won the scenario. Good job. They are designed to hurt you. Um, the game was purposely designed to put players in yeah. in westbound states later mm-hmm. on in the campaign. Um, so it's okay to ha- take those wounds. You don't have to kind of be afraid of that all the time. Yeah, from a design perspective, if you told me that about Mako Joe, like that, that was the situation you experienced where one person barely squeaked out a win, I'm happy. Hmm. That was the goal. If you go back and watch our live play on YouTube with Third Floor Wars, I'm pretty sure that exact... Or yeah, was yeah. it with Third Floor Wars, or was it just with us? No, uh, we did the turn uh, yeah. faces with Third Floor Wars, so... Um, uh, that fight I've only seen... Fail the turn faces. ...one group ever fail. Seems like a lot of bad luck on that. On that yeah, board. it was at... It was at uh, I think it was Origins. Yeah, yeah, you, you really have to have a bad day to make that happen, but... Yeah, the, the third scenario, regardless of which path you take, should wake you mm-hmm. up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yep. you beat the tutorial. Good job. But yeah, that's that's my right. advice is, is uh don't be afraid of taking wounds. It's it's okay. Yes. And uh, to to add on to that, yep. and this is something like at me as the way I, I play games, whether I like it or not, the mechanical benefit or I guess negative aspect of losing isn't enough to make the rest of the game super hard if you lose. It's like I, I can I can appreciate a fail forward type of system, but if that like if I fail it makes the rest of the game harder would just hurt me, to be honest. And I like 
I feel like that isn't that big of a problem, just with the way the the reset kind of happens between scenarios. It might make it a little bit harder the next scenario, but it doesn't make it impossible. And if you win the next one, you're just kind of back to square one. You you don't care about the failure from the previous scenario. Another piece of advice? Seances are really good. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes. Yes, seances are awesome. (laughs) We will never not buy a seance. Holy (laughs) shit. Buy the seances. <laughs> Any, anything else I guess we want to talk about here? We're kind of at the end of the, the, the list. Buy Vagrant Song, play the game, enjoy it. It's a good game. It's it's amazing. It really is. I think I think these these If you haven't played it yet, the first two scenarios are available on Tabletop Simulator. Yep. Yeah. Try it out. Try and it out. I mean you'll fall in love with it. Um, almost guarantee it. These these two gentlemen mm-hmm. and the whole team have done a really good job on this game. It wasn't just us. Justin Gibbs uh, also helped us out. Um, if you don't know who Justin Gibbs is, he was the mastermind behind Second Edition, a good chunk of. Uh, so he hopped aboard and uh, helped us with a bunch of scenarios. Um, Matthew, our RPG designer, he also helped us quite a bit. We couldn't have done the art direction with that our artist snippy and uh john our graphic designer made the game look a certain way and that evokes a, a you know the feel that we needed um because that that feel is almost if not more important than the actual mechanics uh, in a lot of ways so also we had a bunch of playtesters who were super helpful right so thanks to all of them oh mm-hmm. yeah it, it takes a village. Yeah. Um, weekly reports of telling us how horrible scenarios were. Um, my wife yelling in the other room, telling me that like, this this is broken. What the? <laughs> uh, but we appreciate the stuff as long as you report it, you know, um, and tell us that it's wrong because we'll fix it. You know, um, there's it's always you know a challenge to take your vision and put it onto paper and like, this is what I intend for it to do. And then you realize it does the opposite or, you know, this just doesn't interact with this at all. And, you know, uh, we had a bunch of great playtesters who helped us constructively tell us what was wrong. (laughs) I'll add on to to that. And this is absolutely not self-serving or anything, not just vagrant song, but in general, thanks to the playtesters that help out weird because considering their size, I feel like playtesting is incredibly beneficial to them. Absolutely. As opposed to the larger company that has more resources to test that sort of thing. So thank you guys that are doing playtesting for anything. Yeah, our playtesters are amazing. Yeah. And I appreciate every single one of them. We literally could not do the things we do without our playtesters um, for any of our games. There isn't enough time in the year for us to develop Malifo, the other side, by you, Bash and Vagrant Song. So they would be really bad if we didn't have the playtesters, right. <laughs> and full of spelling errors and no, no, and just missing things. They'd be bad. So those playtesters are amazing, and we appreciate them in all of their forms. Okay, and anyone want to bring anything else up about Vagrant Song? I have one more thing, but I don't want to keep talking if other people have stuff to talk about. No, it, it's your podcast. It's our podcast, yeah. comrade. How dare you talk in your podcast? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> There's so many gingers here. It might as well be a red podcast. Hey. Yeah, we, we can we, we can fi- we can finish off with a little bit of like, hey, circle jerk about our hundredth episode. But my my last thing I want to thank you guys for is that not only can you play it with two players or three players or four players, but 
those don't always have to be the same number of people or the same number of players. My mm-hmm. my my gaming group consists of about five people, and not everyone shows up every night to to the game. And the fact that everyone has their own vagrant, and that we can just roll out a scenario and play with whoever is there, and it just being able to function that way is amazing, and not something I I think I've seen in a sort of campaign type game before. Um, on top of that. The complexity of the game allows it to not be a case of one person directing other people. As a guy who has played a decent amount of Pandemic, there's always the case of like that one person that just kind of tells everyone what to do just because it's simple enough that they can keep track of everything. The game is complex enough that you need those other minds to know what their, what their Vagrant does and their skills and their junk, and to collaborate and win as a team as opposed to one person just kind of doing the work for everyone else. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Yay! those are both uh, intended, so it's good to hear. <laughs> um, Victoria, anything? Uh, nope. Say one nice thing about Vagrant Song, even if it's been said or before. Yeah, let's go around. Okay, let... let, uh, let... If, you, if you don't, I will call <laughs> you a That's a lie. <laughs> but... Until you don't do it, and then you get to find out. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Matt, everybody. See, Matt's enjoying this because I usually call Kyle the coward, so Matt just gets to kind of kind of join in here that's, and that's jab the forward. Of Kyle being a lot more front facing than I am, yep. being like posting all those weeklies. I'm like, ha ha, this was my decision, and Kyle gets called a coward. <laughs> He's the coward. <laughs> <laughs> Anything? The, the, the art is absolutely beautiful. Um, great game design. The scenarios are different enough that they're still interesting, but still tie together really well. I also want to point out that it is, it is, uh, there are a couple players versus environment scenarios mixed in there as well that shake things yes. up. We, we never mentioned. Yep. Uh, Nate, um, just lay on the compliments. Vagrant Song is a beautiful and elegant game, and if you don't buy it and play it, you're a coward. <laughs> you still keeping up with it? Okay, all you right, gotta. fine. Coward. I will, will never, never drop, drop coward. That's <laughs> my thing. <laughs> Listen, now I'm calling That's everybody personality but Kyle now. and Matt cowards, So it's a nice Perfect. role reversal, Eli. <laughs> yes. Okay, no, Roman. It's, it's a. It's. <laughs> Shut up! You had your no, chance. It's, it's everything. It's everything you want about a campaign game, minus the need to have a degree in putting it up. Yes, and taking it down. Also, find your your friend who does the best Southern accent. That is the the only real way to <laughs> improve it just out of the box. Yeah, just to hire the guy that you got to do the uh, the Morgan Freeman accent <laughs> for the Bayou Bash commercial, and have him just like very somber tone, just read all this off. Yeah. Who, whose idea was the Morgan Freeman Bayou Bash commercial? Because I love that. I think it was Kelly's. Yes, actually. Kelly's fantastic. Uh, that, that tracks. I, I remember, uh, I think Nathan brought it up as like a joke, right? We were just talking about it. Like, wouldn't it be funny if... And it's like, no, we're yes. doing that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And 
that's how I wrote the script for it, with like his Morgan Freeman voice in mind the entire time. Like, what would I want Morgan Freeman to say? <laughs> Thank you. I, I will say it's, he would be afraid of that rooster. In in our office, it's hard to make jokes because right. sometimes they are just taken too seriously a little bit, and then it's just like, now we're doing it. Welcome, welcome to Stamp Powered Scoundrels, where coward became a meme strong enough to change the game. <laughs> Like I said, had nothing to do with you guys. Um, just we wanted yeah, to clear nothing, the lens. Absolutely right. nothing. We're very courageous. Just characters came full around to realizing they should be pigs. So, so the, yeah, thank you, Kelly. Also, thank you for the free pen. The bellhop porter was that way, wasn't it? Uh, where we just like, what about this crazy idea? And we're all just laughing about it in in the room, and it's just yeah, no, we have to make the bellhop porter now. I'm pretty sure that's. That's awesome. how a lot of That's the great. core society came yeah. around of just like, what if we just make uh, carnivorous plants and then just make a bunch of movie references in front of them? Yeah. Or oh, in front of Nightmares, the, um, oh, what is it called? The, um, the Vagabond Shrub. The Vagabond the trush, Shrub. The, the evil shrub. <laughs> yes. Vagabond yes. Shrub. Uh, <laughs> oh, the tooth fairies? I'm yep. expecting uh, tooth fairies. Uh, some point. No, no pressure whatsoever. But no, you, you guys <laughs> love weird, the tooth weird fairies. Weird, Breach has a long history of lovable carnivorous plants. I'm still waiting for the sawtooth creeper to become a thing because it's a very angry pineapple, and I think it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Roman, did you say nice things about Vagrant Song yet, or...? I, I we, pegged we, on we, on we, the we, end we, of what Eli yeah, said. Yeah. Okay, you pegged Eli. In tandem. It's, it's fantastic. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we can slowly sort of wrap this up. This is our hundred episode. Oh my god! I don't. Yeah. I don't know when the three yeah. of you guys came along, uh, but thank you so Ooh. much for the help. Because otherwise, we'd still be like a once a month podcast. I was. I was looking back at it. It's a lot earlier than I expected. Yeah, it, it was, it was mm-hmm. pretty early. But thank you, thank you, guys. It's like episode ten yeah, or something, something isn't like it? that. Jesus, uh-huh. yeah. I think like you that. guys were guests yeah. in episode ten, but you didn't become like official co-hosts till till later. Yeah, um, yeah. Jesus, uh, it's been a long ass time. Yeah. We've had a kid since then. Also, for clarification, Victoria, mm-hmm. the reason she hasn't been talking a bunch is because she's sick, sick as hell. Mm-hmm. But she still showed up. Thank you very much for that. Yay! Um, so here's to hopefully maybe a hundred more. Hopefully Yay. we're still around, still making content because I basically dedicated my entire free time to this company and their output. So don't fail me, Kyle and Matt. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> we make games specifically this for is... podcast content. <laughs> I'm sure this I'm podcast sure. is writing on your success. <laughs> <laughs> not They're doing this enough for your funny shit in 40k for their own whatever other minis games like. I don't fucking know. <laughs> There's crisis protocol right there. We have crisis protocol. Okay, we do. I really want to know: is there an infinity version of us? <sighs> no, Ugh, no, probably like, not. D20s are boring. Probably not. Sorry, D and D players. <laughs> we play D and D. We do play D and D. I still don't like the D20, but we do. <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay. Um I guess any other like announcements? Otherwise we can just thank Matt and Kyle and call it a call it a night. I the one thing I'd say is like we talk about weird a lot and ask questions when they're not here to answer. Do you guys have any questions for our inane ramblings to <laughs> Why? Why? Pick over? That would that would like know. admit that they respect us. Do we have <laughs> questions for you guys? <laughs> No? Okay. So you don't put it on the spot like that. 
<laughs> Matt just likes being an outside observer. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to prep. You're allowed to ask what's wrong with you. Like, that's a fair question. Matt just likes to watch. Three of us are trombone players. Oh. <laughs> oh, there it I is. I played baritone. Uh, yes. Nice. Which is just... Yeah, there, there, yeah. All right. You have a lot to relate to Eli, then. Honorary trombone. <laughs> so that's the sax of trombone. Backup trombone. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just the yeah. it's just trombone. the trumpet. It's, it's trombone. just valve yeah. trombone, really. We're all over the trombone. Sorry, Kyle. Trombone. But after today, we're all gonna learn how to play I the mean, banjo, I, right? Yes. I mean, if we're not gonna have a soundtrack, I mean, we at least have to accompany no, it elsewhere. I, I'm really surprised Nate has learned the jug, already, honestly. <laughs> that is what I'm adding uh, to Lux's favorite song. A banjo. Yes. If banjos, banjo. If banjos yes. weren't really expensive, and if I had more time to learn a banjo, I would absolutely pick up the banjo. Nice. All right, go fund me for Nate's banjo. Whoever was picking up the, whoever mm-hmm. played the songsmith, also picked up the generic talent for. I don't remember what it was, but it was basically a Hadouken, like a relatively short range, pretty heavy damage skill. And they just wrecked face with it. And the idea of some just like slightly chubby man with facial hair strumming on a banjo and just shooting the shit out of out of, out of a ghost is just wonderful imagery. So I, I just I don't know I decided like do we have memorable moments from the game? <laughs> what are we talking about? We'll never end this <laughs> podcast. We guys got you here. You said you would be here, so we are just going to never let you leave. <laughs> The basement was a figment of our minds. <laughs> the, the, the kidnapping has been revealed. You've been kidnapped the whole Don't, time. If we do that, though, they can't go create more things. Okay, All right. Uh, if anyone <laughs> has anything else, like super duper, they want to talk about, we can do our our goodbyes. And I don't, around the table, let's just demand something from developers that they oh, have to God. do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you can just leave. My, my, like, you can just my, leave. Both you, you guys can leave. Thank you for showing up. This, this doesn't really matter. So, uh, for run, run all you can. For me, uh, something I demand from Alpha. This could be interesting because it's nothing to do with Arcanist or Ironsides. But I just came up with it today. I remembered today. There is a legend, or not a legend, a character back from Old Malifaux, back in the first breach. It was like the first necromancer whose shtick was skeletons. I want him to show up as a master for the resurrectionist, please. Thank you very much. Moving on. Victoria, what do you want? More skeletons. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Just be as stupid as possible. Why this is More our Christmas archers. List. More archers? Besides the Ten Thunders archers? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, like, this, the, the bone piles kind of... Th- yeah, that's what everything yeah. is for. Um, Nate, what do you what do you want from the game? Nothing, obviously. More tall oh, gremlins. Oh, yes. You've given me a taste. <laughs> I also want more tall gremlins. That's the next step towards orcs, which is really what Nate wants. <laughs> no, he wants. No, I don't need. I don't need. I don't need strong boys because we've got Lenny. We've got Alphonse. We've got we got we've got fair, we've got fair. big strong boy gremlins. I need more skinny yeah, tall gremlins. Mass of a regular bio gremlin, but just stretched. <laughs> Like size three, like taffy. Like yeah, taffy. taffy. He wants to that out a little bit. You just yes. need to send him to the Willy Wonka factory. Yes. Ooh, give me Willy Wonka as a gremlin, please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right, Eli. Uh, uh, you know what I'm going to ask for? Give me Kaladi back. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Every Neverborn player ever. <laughs> One many armed chair coming up. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay. He's just going to come back as a. 
bowling ball action for Lucius? Oh. Yes. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? Oh, no, no, no. New, new, new uh, alternate Lucius uh, sculpt idea. Doing the uh, Horatio. Alaskor York. York. I knew him, Horatio, with Kaladi's head. <laughs> with with the Shakespeare rough oh, man. neck. I have Kaladi. I could make that happen. <laughs> um, for for me, my, my wish list is we have the Crossroads 7. I want more musician models in Malifaux, and asterisks on that Blues Brothers we- reference went. Well, I must say I'm disappointed at the lack of more good doggos, because that's always what I want to add in. <laughs> where, are my, where, are my, where are my mechanical hounds, guys? You've got a hound for every other base factions except for Arcanist guys. Do Come pig, on, let's count sure hounds. Yeah. No, you got, you got guild hounds, you got corrupted hounds, you got uh, uh, canine remains. So... The, the big, big four. four. The, orig- the OG four. Anyways, I, I already asked for my one thing, so I technically can't ask for that. Because Doug's never broken his own rules <laughs> on his podcast before. Never. <laughs> never, ever, ever. But... Is there is there anything you guys wanted to say while you're, you know, broadcasting? It can be, I want to leave, that's fine. <laughs> I, I would just say thanks so much for having us. Uh, I had fun. <laughs> Thank Aww. you so much for, for being on. Yeah, that's... Long overdue. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. It's nice to nice to finally have yeah. you guys on. Yep, being called a coward face to face was uh, <laughs> really refreshing. Listen, I got I got my chance at Gen Con. It felt good. <laughs> really, really yep. peaked at this point. He's been riding that high ever okay. since. All right, that's that's enough time we've had you guys <sighs> over for more than three hours. I apologize for that. So we're gonna call it good. And as I always say for like the hundredth time, well, no, because we use different endings for other formats. But uh, we'll say for the hundredth time, whatever. Uh, sure. fun, fun is always king. Find your fun in any game you play. And ours is obviously making podcasts. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope Kyle and Matt survived and don't hate us after this. But it's okay if you do, we understand. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. Yep. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. Yep. Thank you, Roman. Always glad to be here today more than most. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you, listener, for sticking around with us for so, so long. Hopefully we'll still be able to pump this crap out. <laughs> this hot <laughs> garbage of a podcast. But anyways, good night. Love you. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night, good night everybody. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.